All right, Grizz Nation, we are back uh, for a postseason episode here. Uh, we've got some great things to get to, uh, but, you know, I'm just your Adam Healy, your fanatic Grizz fan with uh, Luke Rounds, your uh, former defensive line for the Grizz. And we have a guest here, uh, Daniel Steenkamer. I got it right again. Yes, sir. Mm, awesome. Uh, he is a freelance writer for Hero Sports FCS, and he's the managing sports director at the UD Review a student uh, newspaper out in Delaware. And uh, he's also going to be calling the uh, game this weekend for Delaware and Montana. So uh, thank you for coming on, Daniel. And how are you? Oh, I'm well, Adam. And great to meet you, Luke, as well. Thank you so much for the opportunity. This is awesome. So I'm uh, looking forward to getting into it. Two great, you know, FCS brand names. And uh, it's been too long since these teams have met, you know, not in my lifetime uh, have they played is my my recollection. So it was 1993 the last time they played. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that just tells us how the, old we are. <laughs> you got the you got the better of us. By that was not my intent. That was not my intent. I'm get myself up on the wrong foot here, gentlemen. No, 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 no. You're, good. you're good. I was going to talk about it later, anyways. But that was back when we had. Uh, you'll see when you go to the stadium this weekend. So if you see Daniel around, yeah. take care of him, Missoula. Um, yeah, exactly. That was back when we had grass end zones. Now it's all filled in with bleachers, and I mean, totally different stadium. But and we wore the colors I'm wearing right now, the old copper. And gold back then. Um, I was actually at that game, but I think I was 12. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a long time ago. A long time yeah, ago. For sure. Yeah. So, Daniel, you know, you, you've been a busy guy today, you know, with Delaware, you know, jumping um, here in the next couple of years to yeah. FBS. Uh, how how are people taking it? And you think it's a, a good move to the, C, the, the Conference USA? Well, uh, off the bat, I would say, you know, it, it, it's a move and it's, it's a gateway into the FBS for Delaware. It's a situation where, you know, I think it would be inaccurate to say that Delaware had its pick of the litter of uh, G5 conferences, right? I mean, you look at the Sun Belt, that's a conference that's very strong in football, which is where Delaware wants to be strong is in football, especially. Now, Delaware wants a broad-based athletic department success when, when they speak, you know, publicly. But, you know, lo- locals to Newark, Delaware know that UD football is, you know, the flagship sport of the athletic department. And so Delaware wants to be in a conference that is very strong in football. And I really felt the Sun Belt fits that, especially right now. You have former CAA rivals, namely James Madison, that we all know and mm-hmm. maybe not love <laughs> from the FCS level. But JMU doing great things in the Sun Belt and not just JMU. But you look at another former FCS school like Coastal Carolina very recently being ranked and, and an app state in Georgia Southern, yep. two historic FCS names, you know, they're now in the FBS and very well established. And so, you know, at least from where I sit now, this is not something that people at Delaware have told me, but from where I sit, just as somebody who, who's grown up in Delaware and followed the program all my life, you know, and some other fans too, that, that might've been the most ideal spot. If you were going to be in a Southeastern based league, like conference USA, you probably would have liked to be there with a the Marshall mm-hmm. with an old dominion. You know, those are more schools in that Eastern division of the Sun Belt. but uh, for Delaware conference USA becomes the place that was ready to expand. It also has other former FCS schools. You look at one like Sam Houston, uh, which where which is where uh, former Delaware coach Casey Keeler is uh, still coaching to this day. So that'll be an interesting situation. Maybe uh, Coach Keeler and Coach Ryan Cardi will coach against each other in a game in a conference game. That would be really something in uh, 2025. But uh, I know it's a loaded answer to your question, but in yeah. the end, uh, Delaware it got to a point, and I, I've written about this, and other local media have written about this to the point where you know Delaware had, had come to a point where it had looked around the CAA and. No, sure. Delaware was part of the schools that ultimately accepted the new additions to CAA football, right? So you can't say Delaware was out of, it was, oh, whoa, what a victim here. Like, that's not the mm-hmm. Blue Hens condition, but they considered their whole status in, in the conference and, 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 and the way it's trending, right? So you have a JMU exit and you have, you know, Bryant University entering in football next year. You know, Bryant's investing in its facility and I've been to Bryant University. I've been to their football stadium and 
seeing it now in the indoor facility they have is already very nice. And what the work they're planning on doing is, you know, so I'm not trying to um, you know, take any shots their direction, yeah. but I do think yeah. that it's an example of a place where it's not the same as an establishment place like Delaware, where you have 18,000 seats at home and you draw 16, 17 on average when things are going well, right? And in the mm -hmm. year 2023, and, and it's a situation where Delaware, I think ultimately has a really ambitious athletic director and finally became of a mind where it could sense that its fans were, you know, looking for a different kind of home conference schedule. And, and again, Conference USA, they're going to be fans who are opposed to it. If you go on Delaware's message board, you'll see <laughs> plenty of people opposed to it. And they're saying, you know, you want to compete for a championship in the FCS, which has been Delaware's expectation for years. And it's fallen behind that expectation more recently. But, yeah. you know, you want to see it contending for a national title. And you want to see schools like Villanova and Richmond and William Mary on the schedule. But with the expansion of the conference, if you lose a lot of those games against Richmond and William Mary because you're playing on a rotation with other schools that have been added, whether it's Hampton or, uh, you know, Hampton or Campbell, places like that. And, uh, Delaware is looking to do more facilities work and the feedback they've gotten from what I know and has also been reported by uh, Kevin Tresselini of the Delaware News Journal out this way is that Delaware, you know, got feedback in its feelers with big donors about, hey, can we solicit money for an, a new end zone renovation that would include a football indoor facility, a new indoor facility to replace the field house that's in place right now at Delaware. The feedback was, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll open up our wallets eventually if you actually, you know, make a move on going to the FBS and finally not, you know, put this off or, you know, give the status quo of the CAA and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. it's so many different things. It, it's the conference, the CAA as it stands today, which Delaware is complicit in partially. So I'm not saying that's a, you know, woe is me scenario for Delaware, but it's the condition of the CAA, particularly CAA football as it stands today. And it's the facilities ambition. It's the ambition of the athletic director, Chrissy Waywalk, who's an outstanding AD uh, for Delaware and has really made a lot of good coaching hires and is, you know, driven a lot of fundraising life into the program. And now to take this next fundraising step, Delaware is as a, you know, a state flagship. I'm talking to one as well in the University of Montana. I know you guys all, I know you just, had, you just had the brawl and everything and you can, you know, assert that as well. So yeah. you know, not every state flagship is the same and every situation is different. And, you know, for me, I grew up in the FCS. I love the format. I love the playoffs. I love the 24 teams. You know, I, I, I it's bittersweet for me to see this from another, you know, well-known FCS name on its way up. But I think for Delaware, this was, this was the right move, even if it's, it's not ideal as a conference goes. To answer your question, it's probably yeah. not an ideal conference. You know, you, as, of not, as of right now, you don't have UMass joining. So I spent way much time talking about this. This is a Montana. No, 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 no problem. It's, just, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. That's, that's, that's kind of where it lies right now. Yeah, because it is interesting because, you know, it, it does talk about kind of like where um, Delaware is at because right. it, it's hard to look at all these CA schools because I believe there's like 14, 15 CA schools. Yeah, um, 15 football playing schools. This yeah. Year. Mm -hmm. And so like not – and there's this big thing from the conference saying of how they're going to do ties and stuff because you had – Going in the last week, four, three, right. you know, teams that could be, you know, tied for that um, championship. So it, it's interesting to see. And, you know, I, I believe just looking at Delaware's schedule, you know, they did play New Hampshire, which is is pretty good, um, you know, De, uh, CA school. You got Villanova. But, you know, you're not looking at Richmond. You're not looking at some of those other CA schools that are, are, are really well known. Um, and so it's kind of hard and I, I hate how the big, the big sky does that too. You know, you not everyone plays everyone. And so right. it, it is kind of hard to see who is the better team in those aspects. And um, each time that, you know, another, uh, and, and you, you tell me, Daniel, cause we had this question from a, a, a fan and I wanted to get to it um, before we kind of, you know, go to the other things, but they, they were wondering if we thought um, Delaware was a blue blood. Now, Back in the olden days when, you know, we were kind of a blue blood, you know, 93 in the 90s, I, I think that Delaware probably could have been 
or would have been that top echelon. Um, but in the la- later, they had some trouble with mm-hmm. with some things as well. And we kind of had our stint as well. Maybe not. Um, we've had some earlier years where we're, we're cooking too. But, you know, uh, uh, do you think they're a blue blood still? You know, it, it's tricky to say. I mean, yeah, Delaware is now in three of its last four FCS playoff seasons. Like it's made the playoffs in three of the last four years. Now, one of them was yeah. the condensed spring season and condensed spring bracket. And Delaware made a run there. But, you know, people, I don't put an asterisk on that because, hey, if you played, you played. There are enough teams to field a yep. season like but some people will. So, OK, take that into account. It was a mm-hmm. short regular season. So, so to win the CAA that season like Delaware did, you know, I, it's not exactly the same. Right. It's not an apples yeah. to apples comparison. So I would say whether Delaware is a blue blood in the FCS, I think it's questionable. Uh, you know, yeah. it's sort of like is Nebraska an, an FBS blue blood? Like yeah. Nebraska's program. No, I think Delaware's program is a Nebraska probably, right? Like when it comes to like Nebraska, it became a meme for different. And I guess I don't know how Nebraska's done this season, to be honest with you. Like I don't follow the FBS that closely. I mean, I keep an yeah. eye on the top of it, but like, you know, so I could be throwing Nebraska's name out there and I shouldn't be. But, you know, I just think of a place that, yes, has that historic pedigree, but isn't, you know, in the 2010s, like in my prime of my growing up, you know, watching 2010s football, Delaware made the 2010 final against Eastern Washington and collapsed in that game. And mm-hmm. hadn't been the same for a number of years and hadn't put it together and had some near playoff misses and had a couple maybe coaching hires that were or a, a coaching hire that was a, a misstep in terms of just not just not the right place in the right time. And, mm-hmm. and you have some very mediocre seasons. You put them together and you're going like an eight year playoff drought. Yeah, I would say that's hardly qualifies you as a blue blood anymore. And so as Delaware closes this chapter of its football history in the FCS pretty soon here, it's definitely an open question. I'm glad you asked me because it, it's really yeah. debatable about did Delaware ever, ever really achieve its true potential in the FCS? It's tricky to say because it did, like many of the other Eastern Coast bipart, uh, counterparts, excuse me, it got bypassed in some ways, or more than some ways, by those Valley and Big Sky schools. And also was bypassed by App State and Georgia Southern, who moved up into a good league and, yeah. and JMU, too. So now Delaware is sort of playing catch up in that in that half of the country, right? Like, I think regionally, Delaware being the FBS is going to be a big home run because they're going to see Temple, Navy, possibly on the out-of-conference schedule, whereas you got Navy on the road but never at home. You can't get Temple at all right now. And maybe you'll still have trouble if you're Delaware, even in Conference USA, getting Temple just with Temple wants to maybe avoid a loss in that uh, in, in that recruiting area and that Philly area. Yeah. But in the end of the day, uh, you know, you get JMU maybe back on non-conference schedule. You get ODU back on it. So, um, you know, regionally in the Eastern time zone, the FBS, you know, Delaware getting to that Southeast recruiting territory more is great. But it's FCS, you know, legacy. It's very mixed. It's very mixed legacy. So I, I would yeah. envy if I'm Delaware, I would envy schools like NDSU and SDSU, not just for the titles they already have, but for the fact that they really achieved their true peak. We can say they achieved their true peak, obviously, yeah. that and much more before any thought of maybe the Dakota States moving up as well. Yeah. Well, one thing that I know I was surprised about, like to see any team move up this year is because of the fact that they changed the rules this year. And I believe it isn't it like five million dollars now mm-hmm. to even that's right for it. And you have to have an invite too, I believe. By right. You know, so that's surprise when I when I heard about Delaware, I was like, whoa, that surprised me. And then Adam said that your endowment's pretty large, though. So I was like, oh, well, maybe that that helps because, like, at the University of Montana, five million dollars—that's that's a lot of dang money. And it's like, <laughs> I promise yeah. you, it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. Here it, too. <laughs> so it's just like wow. So that surprised me. I think for not just Delaware, but for any FCS right. team, yeah. I was like, boy, they're making it so much harder for yeah. FCS teams to move to the FBS. Right. And then all of a sudden we hear Delaware today. So that just, it surprised me. That makes sense. And, you know, this is something that Delaware is not taking lightly with this $5 million. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it transpired the way it did and schools like JMU were able to move up before we had those FBS membership requirements changed with the entrance fee or the application fee of $5 million. Uh, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delaware's athletic department that really struggled to fundraise prior to uh, Chrissy Raywalk's arrivals AD. You know, there had been drawings of Delaware stadium renovations that had been conceptualized maybe 
I must have been in elementary school, you know, at that point. So that's, you know, that's that's over 10 years ago. It's, you know, 15 plus years ago. Right. And um, and it never materialized. There were early drawings and sure. and it's a loyal fan base. But the season ticket holder base a number of years ago was really diminished a lot by a season ticket holder seat license fee that made yeah. the ticket prices pretty astronomical for one one double a FCS school. And that was coincided with Delaware having that mediocre slip on the field that I was talking about earlier. So, um, you know, Delaware's in a spot where it's not, you know, it hasn't been a fundraising powerhouse. Like it, people weren't knocking down the doors to buy season tickets. It's not like there was a waiting list, you sure. know, so much of my lifetime, like there was or when I was very young, certainly there's a waiting list for season tickets, but as the prices went up and it's a whole, you know, I could you know, tell you a sure. whole podcast episode about that. But the main point being, you know, $5 million is not going to be a drop in the bucket for Delaware. But when you look at the scholarship count going up and the, um, and all the travel is going to require for football and other sports to be in Conference USA for all sports. Now, yeah. that means all the sports yeah. that Conference USA sponsors, but it, it, in for a penny, in for a pound. So almost, I think it was going to be so pricey to get into Conference USA in particular that the $5 million, while not being ideal, it's, um, it, you know, it's part of the cost of doing business, which feels like a cliche to say in college athletics these days. But um, yeah. it certainly is not uh, a part that makes it easy to swallow for Delaware. But um, Delaware's administration is going to have a huge release off its shoulders in terms of the fans who've been complaining about CA football, yeah. complaining about the CA in general. CA basketball is a whole other story. I really think the CA itself, and this is another podcast topic as well, not really for tonight, but did a good job in stabilizing itself. I honestly think the mm -hmm. CA is going to catch a lot of flack for the football quality of the schools right now. But I think there were some good investments in all sports football playing members that they needed as JMU left. And so uh, it becomes a situation where I think the CA is ultimately going to be fine. And Delaware, we'll see how Delaware turns out in a league that's pretty spread out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I had another so, question on that yeah. transition that, and it used to be a rule. And I, I told him I was like, I don't think it is anymore. But Nate Little was asking me. He said that there used to be, and I thought I remember this when Idaho and Boise State moved up. There was an attendance bar you had to meet too. Do you know, Daniel? Is that still a thing, or is that I not? They a cut thing? it. I thought they yeah. cut that too. Okay, it's, it's, it's been eliminated in, in the same process as that, and I think Adam would echo that as well. Mm -hmm. It was the um, the five million dollars entrance fee and application fee was part of the equation instead of that makes well. sense. Okay. And, 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 and as we've been following it over the years, it's a it's a good question to ask because it had been something mm -hmm. that wasn't really enforced all that strictly. No, yeah, no, it wasn't. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so a situation where I think Delaware would have met it, but it isn't even <laughs> applicable now. So, so that that much gets uh, simplified anyway. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, Daniel, let's go kind of over your your uh, Delaware season here. Yeah. Uh, so you, you begin out, you guys are nine and three, six and two overall, I believe, in the uh, CAA. You guys play Stony Brook your first game, 37 to 13 win, uh, then go to Penn State. And wow, that, that yeah. is a hard place to play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 63 to seven loss. Uh, no, no, no qualms in that because that, that's a, that's a, you know, and not to interject, I know you, I, I want to let you get to your question, but yeah. the payday will be higher in that scenario once Delaware is in the G5, oh, yeah. as you guys yeah. know, too. Yeah, so that's absolutely. part of the equation, too. But anyway, I just thought about you said yeah. that. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah. You guys play St. Francis 42 to 14 win, and then you guys tear off a, a, an amazing stretch of beating New Hampshire 29 25, Duquesne beating them 43 17, beating North Carolina ANT. A AT&T? AT&T? North Carolina. AT&T, there you go. 21 to 6, and then Hampton, 47 to 3, and Towson, 51-13, before your your other loss to Elon, 33 to 27. You beat Campbell, 45 to 7, and then your your loss where you lost, it was a huge loss for you guys, 35 to 7, but you guys also lose your two, your first string quarterback and your second screen second string quarterback uh in that game 
right before the playoffs, that, that has to be heartbreaking for them and just for your, your, your team as well. Yeah, that was a brutal way for Delaware and to end the regular season. But it's been a struggle for Delaware finishing November's for multiple years, for multiple coaching staffs. Something about the month of November, you know, it's, it's systemic. I want to call it a systemic problem for Delaware's football program. And I'm not trying to be dramatic or make mm-hmm. a soundbite in saying that, but it's just something about the way Delaware's able to finish and or not able to finish seasons in some ways. Now, Delaware under Ryan Carty as head coach in his first season in 2022, Delaware lost to Villanova in a collapsed fashion on the road at Villanova in a close game. Delaware had a lead in that one and actually had two blocked punts late in the game against Villanova. I want to say oh, wow. it was consecutive blocked punts, and that created an absolute collapse against Nova one year. I mean, Nova's dominated the series against Delaware for years, and it's just been absolutely Nova having UD's number. So that was part of it. And so you didn't finish last season very well, in the regular season anyway, and you still managed to make the playoffs. And then, I mean, I know Montana can relate to that a little bit too. I know there were some, you know, Montana and Delaware, the two 2022 playoff qualifiers that were getting a lot of slack. But anyway, um, yeah. in 2023, you just went over it really well, Adam, and you gave, yeah. gave a great overview where – you know, it's not just a quarterback situation at injury-wise for Delaware. A lot of other injuries elsewhere on the field, but I think in the end, uh, you know, Villanova still beat Delaware to the punch in that game in 2023 in the regular season finale. You look at a Villanova team that got the ball first and one of the first snaps of the game ran over a 50-yard run play down in the Delaware territory and scored a couple plays later. And so you know, that's a quick lead before Delaware's quarterbacks even take the field and get hurt, right? So yeah. Villanova beat Delaware to the punch. They were more ready to play, probably better coached and better prepared. Now, you know, Delaware staff has been great to me. I'm not going to throw them too many aspersions their way, but – Villanova seems to have the coaching, just preparedness edge and just the, the edge emotionally and the confidence of, hey, we have their number and we're going to play for the classes before us that have beaten these guys X many times before. Right. And so, you know, Villanova came out in multiple facets and played well outside of the QB injuries for Delaware. But the QB mm-hmm. injuries did not help because Delaware had a true freshman come in who had not taken many reps in practice that week. He had gotten game reps, some of those blowouts you mentioned that were Delaware wins. Mm-hmm. He played against, I want to say, now my recall on this, I want to say, you know, games like the one against Hampton and Towson, I want to say he got in the ball game, but yeah. um, I could be off on that. But uh, so there I were, think you're right. Yeah, there were game reps, but um, not nearly the same as going in against a top 10 team, a fellow top 10 team and a rival in a game that could get the AQ for you. Right. You know, with that level of defensive Villanova plays, it was a tough spot for freshman Nick Minicucci to play quarterback. And we saw what he can do now in the first round with a week of practice. We saw he can come around a little bit and yeah. I'm sure we'll talk more about him. But uh, yeah, Delaware, it's not just the injury excuse. I really think Delaware is susceptible and how it's finishing its season. Sure, Delaware is very beat up, and I'll talk more about injuries other than quarterback because they are many. Um, but, you know, I don't, Ryan Carty is not somebody who wants to make excuses. He'll say that in his press conference, and he'll probably say it again on Saturday uh, if it goes against Delaware. But, yeah, I, I do think that the Villanova game really exposes weaknesses of Delaware's defense. You can run up the middle on them. It's a three man front. It, it does a lot of odd fronts, three, three, six type action, a lot of DBs. Yeah. You'll see, you'll see three, two, or excuse me. 335 and 326. Uh, and so Delaware's really relying on its good linebacking group to collapse on that. Uh, Delaware does have some talented edge rushers, and it, the individuals on the D line are talented, and, and they have yeah. all conference cut type players on the D edge. But you're asking a lot of Delaware's front against a really good Montana team that can block you up the way Villanova can, is, is my thought. I haven't watched all the video in Montana yet, but that's my yeah. thought. And I think you guys would probably agree. So I worry about, I worry about from a Delaware sense, if you're a Delaware fan, the middle of the field, you know, run guarding the middle of the field on the run play and also, you know, between the tackles is what I'm saying. And then, and then also Delaware's left the back end open against Elon in a loss and Villanova in a loss. Uh, there have been deep passing plays. There was a Lafayette pass play late in the game. I don't, I'm sure yeah. you guys are probably watching that Lafayette took the lead and there was a pass down the sideline on a young DB that Delaware has who's playing because of, an, well, he's playing more because of another injury. So my rambling there is just to say, yeah, Delaware's defense, you know, I was probably a little too harsh on Twitter. I should apologize on the record to Delaware. <laughs> I, you know, I was tweeting about Delaware's DC and then, I was like, no, I'm not sure, you know, they're going to keep him around at this point. Now, it was speculation. It was an opinion. It was not something I was reporting. It was, and I shouldn't have done that because I was a little harsh, a little too emotional in the moment. 
And I don't want to be emotional because I try to be objective. And so I, I thought it was an objective opinion, but you know, in other words, I'm going to apologize to Delaware's DC for <laughs> questioning his, his job situation on Saturday during the Lafayette deficit. But at the same time, I can acknowledge that Delaware's defense has a whole, whole show up on tape. That I think Lafayette, excuse me, Montana's going to be able to un, uh, unfold a little bit. Well, and it's kind of interesting because their defense, you know, we play a three-three-five, yep. um, and where last year, where our three-three-five was a a legitimate three-three-five, where we got by good run teams, um, the neighbors as we call them, yeah, um, yeah. they they killed us. They killed us with the run. Uh, we've solidified that. We we don't really play a three-three-five really anymore. I yeah. I wouldn't say. I think it, that's it, our it base, is, but it is. And we 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 do four-man fronts, five-man fronts. And we, yeah. we yeah. And, and so. not to cut you guys off, you'll see Delaware do that. You'll see a lot yeah. of times Ty Davis will be a safety who will creep up toward the end of the yeah. D-line, when it, and he'll be an edge rusher and provide an extra support there. You'll see linebackers creep up and not put a hand in the dirt too much, but maybe be standing up at the end of the D-line and create yeah. a de facto four-man or five-man front. You'll see some delayed pressures. but So Delaware's yeah. going to mix it up, but the base is similar to what you were saying. Lots, lots, of, yeah. lots of blitzing. It reminds me of when we first adapted the 3-3-5. Mm -hmm. yeah. Corners are blitzing, and this guy's blitzing, and you got D-linemen dropping into coverage. At one point, our fantastic D-tackle governor, he was a freshman, led our team in interceptions. Wow. <laughs> dropped wow. So, I mean, it's like that's that hybrid voodoo defense right. of the 335, if you will. Right. So, yeah, it, it's going to be kind of crazy kind of uh, uh, of how, how things happen. But let's just kind of talk about your QB situation. You know, Nick Minatucci, if I'm saying that hopefully right, um, a, a true freshman, true freshman comes into the game um, out of, I believe, Don Bra Bosco prep. Yep, Don Bosco. Uh, which is – which is a a a all star prep school, by oh, the yeah. way, um, which has has done a great job with QBs and other players as well. But uh, on the season, he's forty sixty nine with four hundred and fifty three yards, five touchdowns, five interceptions, twenty nine carries, and on one hundred and sixty yards. I got that from the Delaware site. So if it's not right, it might not <laughs> yeah. be updated from Lafayette. So I'm sorry, Nick, if, if those are not your 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 numbers. Hopefully they got those uh, updated. So. Hopefully it's not a huge sample size regardless. So I think you're okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. But I, you know, I don't, I don't, hey, it's his numbers. You know, we yeah. don't want to slide no, him. Um, yeah. He, he had a, a, a hard time getting into the flow of the game. You know, not all of his interceptions from uh, the Lafayette were. I wouldn't say were him. They were maybe a wide receiver falling down or yep. a couple breakup passes where they just land right into Lafayette, yep. which, you know, he still gets accounted for those, but it, it's kind of hard because it's like, well, you know, uh, it's the name of the game, right? So right. Uh, to throw a true freshman out into that situation where you're, you're down 28 to seven, um, I believe that at one point, right. right. Uh, is huge and for him to come back uh and play like the way he did i, I really give it give it a, a job well done because any other true freshman probably could have just thrown yeah. in the towel yeah. sure. <laughs> so um what is the status because you know i i saw you have ryan o'connor um he's got a lot of more of the reps and he's got a lot more passing yards uh 17 touchdowns seven interceptions and then you got Zach Maker. Who's uh, Zach got Marker. Marker, Marker, sorry. Mm -hmm. Marker. 42 of 65, 678 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. And I believe that's your second stringer as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can uh, let you know. Kind of on the backstory and then the most applicable. I don't know if you were – I didn't want to cut you off. 
No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. no, no, go ahead. So, so, you know, you mentioned Marker. I would really view him as a, as a 1B type. You know, O'Connor okay. 1A, Marker 1B. Delaware began the year, or I should say began the offseason, you know, in a quarterback competition looking to replace Nolan Henderson, is a name FCS fans might remember. And uh, and Henderson had been at Delaware for a while. And now O'Connor was the incumbent reserve. We've been in the program since a freshman year and had been building. And now he's academically a junior. So he's my class. And uh, he's been with Delaware for a number of years. And then Delaware also – you know, combed far and wide through the transfer portal. Ryan Cardi, you know, told us pretty candidly they 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 turned over a lot of stones and they found Zach Marker, who's a, a JUCO transfer from a Iowa Central Community College, and really really fits the mold of what a Cardi offense and, and many of the modern college offenses really want: a lot of mobility and a lot of accuracy. I mean, Zach Marker he completed his first 16 passes at Towson as part of Delaware's big lead in the first half at Towson. So he he was in the, that's the kind of zone he can get into. Now I talk about Marker and how he'd gotten hurt at Penn State. I should mention that he got hurt at Penn State and O'Connor from there really had all the reps. Marker was unavailable for a certain amount of time. And so O'Connor, to his credit, O'Connor also settled into the job. He earned the job in his own right, but Delaware turned to O'Connor after that week two game. And so O'Connor handles the job very well. Uh, O'Connor himself gets dinged up before the Hampton game. And you see, you see Zach Marker play there. And you can tell the injuries are a theme, right? So Marker gets more snaps. He's a little more, more mobile. You'll see the more, more rushing yards for him. Mm-hmm. And that's all this background noise because in the end, Marker's season is actually over. Uh, his season is over. He had a season-ending injury against Villanova. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Delaware nice. does not have its – Delaware's most mobile quarterback is out for the year. That would be Zach Marker. Ryan O'Connor also can run. He's capable of running, and he will do so. Um, but he's not the same – you know, legs threat that Marker was. Now, Nick Minicucci, as we talk about him, the, the true freshman who played against Lafayette and was instrumental in the comeback, he is a bit more. He's not quite Zach Marker, but he's a bit mm-hmm. more extend the play, move the pocket type guy. He's a guy who's going to, uh, you know, really for a young kid, do a great job feeling some pressure. Now, he didn't face the Montana front. He faced Lafayette front. But Lafayette entered the game on Saturday in the first round with uh, 35 team sacks. So yeah. this is a team that Lafayette that was pressuring the quarterback. And I thought Nick Minicucci actually did a pretty nice job in, you know, throwing the ball away, you know, and, and giving himself extension of the play when he had to and feeling the pressure. And so he'll need to, he'll need to do that again at Wagres. But um, I would expect Nick, Nick Minicucci to be the guy. I would expect the true freshman to be the quarterback for Delaware on the road in the second round game in front of, I'm sure, a, you know, a packed crowd for Montana. It's going to yeah. be a difficult spot for the young player, but he played in big time moments in high school. Ryan Carty said that a lot. Now, he also said, like, leading into the Lafayette game, Ryan Carty said, look, it's different to be in the FCS playoffs. You know, paraphrasing mm-hmm. him there, but it's different to be in the FCS playoffs. It's not the same as being in high school. Even if you're playing at MetLife yeah. in the New Jersey playoffs, it's not quite the same, right? So <laughs> um, it's a D1 football tournament in this case, right? Yeah. So, but, you know, Nick Minicucci, and, you know, a teammate a teammate has said this about him. He's not shaking easily, right? And, export, of course, you expect to hear that about most quarterbacks, but for a freshman, we asked him in, in media availability, you know what his demeanor's like and, and he is somebody who seems to have a really you know good way of going about himself and that's how you overcome those interceptions that maybe weren't yeah. his fault and he, he knows his stat line is going down the tube and people online are maybe gripping him and saying ah go to the other freshman why not try somebody else the season's over all this stuff and all the while he blocks out the noise and keeps Delaware in the game and so mm-hmm. uh, Nick Minicucci while it's a bad spot for Delaware to be in an objective sense in a vacuum to have a such a young player who's making a second career start, probably going to be making, now again, this is not confirmed and Ryan Carty is very tight-lipped about injuries. You're not okay. going to know officially. <laughs> well, know we, know, we know that. We, yeah. we know that kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, you probably can live, live through that too, but yeah. um, so you're not going to hear it officially from UD, but my scouting report is, again, this is from you know covering the program. I, I'm, they don't make practice available to media during the playoffs. I, I'm not going to be able to see practice. I, I did see it in the regular season, um, but the main point being my expectation, my projection is uh, my educated guest, Nick Minicucci will be the quarterback for Delaware for the, as long as he's healthy at Montana. Uh, Ryan O'Connor has a chance. Ryan O'Connor's season is not over, so that's why I specify that. Uh, mm-hmm. O'Connor has a lower body. Is my now again? There are no printed injury reports, so this is yeah. me going off of the yeah. all, oh, yeah. all no, the no, different no, no, no. bits and bits and pieces. But um, O'Connor is not ruled out per se. Uh, he was on an exercise bike against Villanova after he was hurt. Then he was you know on the sideline moving around in that sense. 
unlike yeah. Marker. Um, but it's most likely to be Minakuchi one, and then you know another true fashion behind him. Yeah. And that and that and that's kind of where Delaware stands now. Could Ryan O'Connor surprise and make? Yes, I, you know I leave the door open for that, but I haven't I haven't heard any rumblings. Probably not going to hear a lot of a lot of tea leaves from Delaware. But the biggest thing is Minakuchi gave Delaware a lot of faith from the Lafayette game, and I would say he has momentum. And Delaware is not going to be losing sleep at night just because of Nick. He he actually acquitted, acquitted himself quite well. Yeah. So you know you guys had a a uh, a really good running back crew. Um, you, you know, that the first yeah. of your running back crew is that Marcus Yarns. Is that 21? Um, 21, correct. 21, yeah. He jumps off the tape. Oh, my goodness he's gracious. Very, very good. And he, you know, slight, you know, he's not overly big, but he is not afraid to lower his shoulder and just go through people, um, which is, is awesome to watch. Um, you know, 128 carries, 871 yards, 15 touchdowns. He's averaging seven over seven yards a carry. Uh, but one, one of the things is, is he, I don't know if he got hurt or he left the game against Lafayette, but that second half, I was like, where's this running back, man? Like they went to Jonathan Silver and then also Quincy Watson. It's Um, a little tricky. It's a Joe Nathan. It's a little tricky. Oh, Joe Nathan. It's a little tricky. He goes by Joe Silver a lot. So if you see them, they call him Joe Silver a lot of times, but (laughs) it's it's hard. We're getting down the depth chart. So I know it's hard. (laughs) And I, 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 the Grizz Nation knows I'm I'm a horrible no, no. at names. No, no, it's um, hard. So. Yeah, it hasn't been to 93. So, and these players weren't around in really in 93 either, right? So, <laughs> yeah. it's been a while. It's all good. So, you know what? What's the status on Marcus Yarns? Did he get hurt, or or what was going on there? He did. We were able okay. to at least get the confirmation after the game against Lafayette that uh, Marcus Yarns he did fumble in the first. I want to say it was part of the first half turnovers. He yeah. did have an uncharacteristic yeah. fumble, and my uh, one of my student media colleagues, uh, you know, it was. I, w- I don't want to call it. it was a good question in a sense to say just to make sure it wasn't a benching for Marcus Yarns, of course, right? Like he, it was a situation right. where he must have been dinged yeah. up again, right? And Coach Troy confirmed, yeah, it was uh, a situation where he got dinged up again. And I, I say again because uh, Marcus Yarns did get hurt. I want to say against Elon in the to begin November. Okay. So you had um, Zach Marker get hurt against Towson late in Jeez. Delaware was up by, up big, and Zach Marker got hurt right before the half against Towson. So that changed Delaware's season. It partially caused Delaware to falter against Elon the next week, is sure. in my opinion, uh, honestly. And then. You know, so you're playing with O'Connor who's coming off his own injury while Marker gets hurt going into the Elon game. In that same Elon game is when Marcus Yarns uh, has uh, a first bout with his injury. And Marcus Yarns came back uh, after only getting one carry at Campbell. He'd kind of been rested, you know, didn't have to use him at Campbell too much. He comes back against Villanova and is probably only a touch below full strength. It's kind of what the comments were from Coach Cardi. And then uh, he's back out there against Lafayette, plays early, has a touchdown run and a pretty miraculous mm-hmm. uh, recovery on a, on a mis- misplayed snap, long uh, shotgun snap that was misplayed. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm sure that video clip has been seen plenty of times, uh, but other than that, didn't see a lot of Marcus Yarns because I'm not sure when in the game it happened in particular. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, Oh, he's down on the field. You can see him. It must've been something right. that was now again, I'm, I'm making, not making assumptions, but maybe yeah. something that cracked up again. He, he was on the sideline and he felt something regardless of how it happened. Yeah. Marcus Yarns, his status is still up in the air as of right now. And Delaware probably is intentionally going to keep it that way. Oh, not yeah. that, not that Montana is not going to be game planning from him anyway, because again, he's not huge like Adam said, but he's, he, and and but he jumps out like uh, you said, yeah. Luke, because he's so. I think he's so long. He has such great strides, and he's yeah. really coming along well in, in uh, hitting his hitting his holes very well. That and that fumble question is not a bad one because our coach will bench you if you fumble. Like we've seen <laughs> yeah. it many times. You fumble, and then it's like, oh, they're yeah. not hurt. They're on the bench. Yeah. So yeah. on the bench. Yeah. yeah, no, it makes sense. It's just for Ryan Cardi. You know, his offense yeah. is predicated on explosive plays, and Marcus Yarns has been one of the biggest sources yeah. of explosive plays. Delaware's offense really struggles inside the red zone and inside short yard situations, and you probably saw that against Lafayette come out yeah. really well in the tape yeah. and then just watching the game live. 
I don't know if it's a play calling thing for Coach Cardi. Fans will say it's a play calling thing. And you can argue that just based on the results. Some of it has to be play calling. And some mm -hmm. of it, just the execution for Delaware has not been there in those short yard situations. So sure. Delaware is really reliant on scoring 30 plus yards out. I mean, they really are. It's really stunning over the course yeah. of two years. Now, maybe that was the trend at Sam Houston too when Coach Cardi was OC at Sam Houston. Maybe that right. was the trend as well. But, um, you know, Delaware is really, really looking to score on big, longer yardage plays. And Marcus Yarns has delivered that all year long. So it would have been a big surprise to see Marcus Yarns being sat in a playoff game. But it was a good question because each coach handles yeah. it differently. And in the oh, playoffs, yeah. in a big spot, you know, it was a pretty egregious fumble just for the fact that there have been already the fluky interceptions to begin with. You know, it was a good question. So I salute my buddy for uh, Jared Wasserman. Yeah. I should give him a shout out on the air. Uh, he did a good job. WVUD Sports, our student radio station. Anyway. Our, that, our, that, that, our that's reporters know that they can't ask certain questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've. I've tried to learn my, uh, my learn my trade as Coach Cardi too. I covered Delaware when Danny Rocco was head coach too, and I got to know Coach Rocco and had a great relationship with him. And you know, when you cover a head coach, you're at every press conference and you're, you're at all the practices you can be at, or many not every single one, but many of them. Uh, you know, I try not to push too many wrong buttons, but you try to be probing when you need to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah for exactly. sure. Exactly. The other kid that I know, like for me, jumped off the tape was number five, that K State transfer. He's looks the part. Is that uh, uh, Jordan Townsend? That is one receiver, but he uh, Luke is speaking about Joshua Youngblood, number five. Yeah, okay. Number yeah, five. Okay. That's the guy. Yep. Yeah. And so I have a great story about Josh Youngblood. I'm, not, I'm gonna sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but I promise you, I'm trying to praise Youngblood in with saying yeah. this. Is, I, I one of the games I called this season at home, Delaware. Oh, I think it was the Elon game when Delaware was trying to make a furious rally and trying to go on a game-winning drive late. Ultimately, Delaware actually fumbled the football with under a minute and a half or so, about a minute and a half to, or so to go inside the Elon red zone. Uh, O'Connor, unfortunately for Delaware, just had the ball slip out of his hands, unforced fumble, just as he was on the round and scrambled, he fumbled the football and that's how that game ended. Prior to that fumble and the game-ending fumble, uh, Delaware had a pass to Youngblood that was a bit high. And Youngblood, I said on the broadcast on WVUD, he just reached for the stars to pluck that ball. Like he, I was absolutely animated because he can really elevate. He is great yeah. in contested catches as well. He's good in traffic. He's a kind of a speed receiver who can kind of move all around. And so you would think maybe he's a bit more finesse or a bit more yards after the catch and might not be as much going through contact. But I think he can go through contact. Yeah. He shows some of that P5 pedigree. Uh, he's very capable of that. Uh, Delaware has multiple wide receiver injuries. So uh, Kim Wimberly, who's out for the season, he was out uh, much earlier in the season. He had, a, I want to say, I don't want to get it wrong. But anyway, Kim Wimberly uh, had a lower body, is what I'm going to call it. And um, mm -hmm. he's out for the year. He's a Harvard transfer, a grad transfer, who was all-conference in the Ivy League. Kim Wimberly out. Uh, JoJo Bermudez is a Cincinnati transfer to Delaware, who's very fast. I like to use him in a lot of places. He missed a Lafayette game as well. So Delaware's missing a, a number of starting-level receivers. And Josh Youngblood is one of those, you know, those last starting receivers, along with Jordan Townsend, who Adam mentioned, rightfully so, is also very talented. Mm -hmm. But Youngblood has really, I think, proven himself to where, you know, he didn't just come from K-State. He actually, and it's complicated, he had to stop at Rutgers as well. And that's oh, how Delaware know. actually wow. got him as well. Delaware wow. actually had a staff connection along the way with Rutgers, and huh. it worked out. And Delaware has recruited New Jersey very well at the high school level sure. because uh, Coach Cardi has ties there. And so, sure. um, you know, it's a situation where Josh Youngblood has been one of the best additions. I'm glad you asked. And all these questions have been amazing, and I've been probably running my mouth too much. No, no, no problem. Problem. But you know, Josh Youngblood has been a godsend for this Delaware team. He has been uh, one of the best athletes on the field. Uh, he's a situation where they can really, I think, sprinkle him all over the place. He knows knows the book inside and out because he's gotten so many snaps. Uh, he's been really a player who's been willing Delaware at certain times on the field because, you know, not because not he's not talented in his own right, but because Delaware's gotten thin at wide receiver at certain times this year. And it's been Youngblood who's been a deep ball threat, uh, which is what Delaware really loves. Jordan Townsend's that slot receiver who might not be as much as a deep ball threat yeah. as often, although he did have a long touchdown catch against Campbell early in that ball game. So Townsend can do it to you too. He can burn you too. But Josh is, Youngblood, he's going to be, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to be in the DC's mind all week. Is is yeah. Towson? Is he the one that has the brother that's the offensive lineman? Um, no, that's the tight end for Delaware, Brandon oh, Rose. Yeah, he's Rose, good yeah. tight end. And then that number fifty four, I think, is just. I like to look at the offensive line. Yes, I would sir. Say he's the best offensive lineman they have. 
In my yeah. No, I'm glad you brought up the O-line because Fenton Bros is number 54. Fenton Bros yeah. is the offensive line of Delaware. His brother, Brayden Bros, is a tight end. And Brayden Bros had an excellent game against Oh, he had, he had a really good yeah. game. Right. I mean, you guys saw touchdown plays, Ooh. right? And, and yeah. he, he caught balls that you don't talk about, about in traffic, right? And being a security yeah. blanket for Minakuchi. Now, I will say Delaware's running backs did a nice job giving Minakuchi a chance at some of those throws with picking up blitzes. And I, I was asking Coach Cardi about that today. And it's an integral part of what Delaware is doing. And any, mm -hmm. any running back room needs to be able to do that. But I really thought it stood out for Delaware's the reserve running backs, not Yarns, who wasn't in the game, not not criticizing him, he just wasn't in the game. And yeah, guys yeah. like Jonathan Silver and Quincy Watson, those those running backs who are further down the depth chart who were making key blocks for Minakuchi to find Braden Bros and to have the protection mm -hmm. by Finn and Bros. Uh, yeah, the Bros brothers are a big part of Delaware. Really, uh, one of the best stories on the team, right? To have brothers who are on the same side of the ball. And uh, yeah. Finn Bros, Finn Bros is an interesting story because he's somebody who, and again, I. It's late at night in the East Coast, and I apologize to you guys. I'll <laughs> oh, you're good. Probably. I want to say, again, I'm the, I'm the beat writer. Fitton Bros began as a defensive lineman. Oh, okay. You can check me on this. You can, I, Fitton Bros began as a D lineman, and it was early on in his career. I believe he played in games as a D lineman, and this might have been in the time of the spring season or at least several years ago. And eventually he was converted to O line over the course of the years and positional need and that kind of thing. And he's become really one of the red rocks. We've seen a lot of that too. Uh, Journey Grim yeah. on our. Offensive mm -hmm. line or starting guard was a D lineman. Yeah. And then opposite of that, Walker, who came from Nebraska, he was a D tackle at Nebraska. And now he's one of our best offensive tackles. So, yeah, yeah. sometimes it translates and yeah. give a lot of credit to the guys for, you know, the, the techniques are a bit different and just a whole different way you're mentally going through the game in some ways. Now, if you're up front and you're physical on either side of the line, Luke, you would be able to, you know, say yeah. this better than me. I'm, I'm a twig. I played flag football. Eighth grade, eighth grade uh, lead running back in uh, rushing, eighth grade. But other than that, you know, you I, I've watched enough to know at least that the, the, the trenches, you know, Finn yeah, Bros has made it translate, and he's yeah. been he's been really great for Delaware. And uh, yeah. yeah, definitely his name should come up. Yeah, he's oh, and Bra physical offensive lineman for sure. So yeah, his brother, you know, I really Braden, uh, not even just with his um, catching ability, just with. He was really instrumental with some of the blocking yes. um, with with how those running backs really got those holes because he really solidified the end when they were blocking um, this last game in Lafayette. And then also just Jordan Townsend really caught my eye just with his ability to he, – he reminded me of, of a guy that we have in Bergen who plays oh, the nice. slot as well and yep, is a kick returner and punt returner. Um, and so he, he kind of got my eye because he kind of has that flash, right? Where he, he does, he catches it, and you're like, okay, is this is he going to take it? Kind of thing. Yeah. So well, you're exactly right because you talk about the special teams returning. Jordan Townsend had a huge special teams return that yeah. catapulted Delaware to its first scoring play against Lafayette, right? So Jordan Townsend, he can do that. Delaware really not broken off a big special teams play this season for by and large until that return. And Townsend, he has that in him. He's been returning kicks for a long time for Delaware, especially with JoJo Bermudez hurt. Uh, you'll maybe see Townsend more on. Um, on kick returns, I mean, Townsend's the every punt return. You'll see Townsend yeah, back yeah. there for Delaware. Kick returns, too, though, Townsend's going to be present there, especially when Delaware's banged up as it is now. And so uh, Townsend's very dynamic. He's very dynamic. Delaware's going to – you're going to see Townsend go in motion a lot as a receiver. One of those receivers is going to be motion. They might fake a pitch to him or give him a pitch and give him a sweep uh, from time to time occasionally. And, and yeah, Jordan Townsend is is, is electric. But Brayden Bros, give him credit because Brian Cardi came in with a pedigree of not using tight ends as much in the passing game. It's a lot of times four four receivers, five receivers on the field for Delaware. Mm -hmm. You know, the tight ends, maybe they get lost in the shuffle. Or maybe they don't get as much recognition or praise You know, because it's a team that, you know, wants to have one tight end on the field at a time and maybe uses that as an extra blocking tight end, right? And so maybe the tight end doesn't get as many targets. But Brayden Bros, when he's targeted and when he is targeted and when it's trending his way, when he has the hot hand, which he usually does, he's very, very reliable. He is. And he's hard to tackle. So. <laughs> oh, what's that? Hard to tackle. Oh, yeah. yeah it looks like he's hard to tackle, too. Bigger so. guy. Bigger guy for sure. Yeah. So, you know, let's go into some defense. Did you have any other questions, Luke, for the offensive side of the ball? No, no. As a defensive player, I look at a lot of the offense. The whole line. <laughs> yeah. 
So, you know, your defense, you know, uh, a couple of guys in your linebacking crew kind of came off the, the, um, the page and then also your defensive end. So your linebacker, Jackson Taylor, and then Chase McGowan, uh, the defensive end, and then the Dylan trainer, your linebacker as well. Those guys really came out um, and kind of, uh, I was, I was like, wow, your Jackson Taylor's got 97 tackles, 11 and a half tackles for loss and three and a half sacks. Uh, McGowan is, is really that pass rusher as well. He's got five sacks on the year with 14 tackles for loss, you know, and I, I think that those guys and in the, with Dylan trainer are your guys that you kind of look for on the defense to kind of, uh, solidify that defense and kind of are all over the place. He actually has 16 tackles for loss. 16. My... Sorry. Sorry. Don't want, don't want to, you know, sorry. No, no, it's hard. <laughs> These numbers are hard. Delaware's. I think Delaware's media staff is working on a few things this week. They might not have updated their stats all the way yet because I think Jackson Taylor surpassed 100 tackles against Lafayette. I can be fair okay. on that. Okay. But no, no, the point is, the point is, and again, I'm not trying to, <laughs> trying to one up here. It's just the, the point is, Jackson Taylor is really, really good. And this is a guy who's a grad yeah. transfer from Division II Westchester, which is, uh, I'm just going to give the geography <laughs> in the mid Atlantic, right across the Delaware PA border. Westchester is really right, you know, in that neck of the woods. And he comes on a short drive from Westchester University to the University of Delaware. Comes up from D2 to D1 and has been excellent. A real tackles machine yeah. for Delaware. Really knows for the ball, covers a lot of ground, um, can be rushing the passer as well. Uh, but he's really anchoring the, the very heart of that Delaware defense. And he really fills the role of a Johnny Buchanan type, which Delaware's linebacker, Johnny Buchanan, in 2022 was mm -hmm. another guy who was really tackles eater for Delaware. And I think Jackson Taylor, plug and play, was a blessing for Delaware from the transfer portal because he proved he can play D1 pretty much yeah. right away. It was definitely, he, he had high expectations right away. This year too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's impressive. Yeah. So. yeah, and so and so Delaware is really happy with Jackson Taylor as well as Dylan Trainer, who who he had a, Dylan Trainer had a brother, a Liam Trainer, who was starting ahead of him at that same position. Oh wow! The position that Dylan occupies now, his older brother Liam was playing. Um, and Dylan's had it in for a long time. I think Dylan's one of those. Uh, players that Delaware fans were really looking forward to seeing get those regular starting reps because with the extra COVID year, and I know you guys have seen it in Montana, the eligibility, oh, yeah. and you know you have a backup with players who can get into the starting lineup, and older guys are there longer, and that's not. I'm sure you guys loved having the vets there too at Montana as well. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah. you know you, you have younger guys who are, you, they feel young, but they're actually old because Dylan Trainer at this point he's a veteran, but he has he hadn't got as many starting reps before this year. He just hadn't gotten them as much. Um, he'd been you know one of the first guys in the rotation off off of the reserves, but now Dylan Trainer is no doubt about it most every down linebacker uh and he really is a guy who is a coach's son a joe trainer coach i want to say at um rhode island is a head coach and again this is my midnight brain working yeah. <laughs> joe trainer rhode island's a head coach and also once they spent time at villanova as a coordinator yeah i and, think you're right i recognize yeah. that name joe trainer yeah joe, joe trainer and so yeah. and coach trainer you can tell that both his sons and dylan included since he's on the team right now uh just absolutely you know, the, the kind of guys you want to have a linebacker because the, the coach's son traits pay off. I mean, the, yeah, it's a guy who's – Delaware turns them – and, again, this is the more abstract stuff, but when Delaware has a tough loss, you know, there have been a few tough losses lately, media availability, Delaware will bring out Dylan Trainer, and he's going to be a guy who's a leader in the locker room and can speak sure. in, in the difficult situations, and there have been a few of them. And so – and Dylan Trainer is, uh, you know, a guy who's battle-tested in that way, you know, mentally tough and all those things, and, and physically tough as well from the way he plays. And up front, Chase McGowan, I know you mentioned him, just get to Chase yeah. McGowan, Delaware's best-known edge rusher, a guy who is – going to be probably the most circled one-on-one -on -one matchup on the defensive line. Um, but Jack Hall's a guy who also is at the other end as an edge rusher who's who's strong. Keyshawn Hunter's in the nose guard of the D-line for Delaware, that three-man front. You'll see McGowan on one end, uh, Keyshawn Hunter in the middle, and Jack Hall at the other end. Uh, Keyshawn Hunter in the middle is an ODU transfer, an FBS transfer, who got Delaware a lot of needed physicality. If they're going to be in a three-man front, 
you're going to be in a three-man front, you guys saw the three-man front. You want to have a guy at the nose guard spot who's really going to be Very able hard. to blow off blocks, right? And so Keyshawn Hunter can do that, but Chase McGowan is a guy who's going to be after the quarterback more than many. And, uh, and, you know, and he doesn't look overbearing in terms of size, but he's a classic edge rusher, right? He's got the speed. Uh, he has a lot of moves he can go to. And I think it's easy for Delaware to take him for granted because he's a captain by now. He's been at the program for a number of years. Yeah. And Delaware's hallmark, a criticism of Delaware, especially under his previous head coach, and even a little bit in the, maybe last season, it had been a question mark of rushing the passer. Where are the sacks? Where are the disruptive plays in the backfield? Chase McGowan is a big TFL guy, and yeah. Delaware's going to have to find creative ways to get him favorable matchups because it's not going to be easy against Montana, but number 12, Chase McGowan is the name. He's, the he's a pretty big guy, so 6'1", 264. Yeah, he just, yeah, the way he wears it to me is yeah, like, the yeah. 240 range, so. Yeah. yeah, the way he wears it, he looks slimmer. He looks slimmer. And that's not a criticism. It's just like, just no, he, watching him, well. he, yeah. he plays, he carries it really well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I've got another question, you know, yep. looking at the defense, where is a, because I, I have an area where I think that they, they kind of lack, right? So if you had to pick one area where they lack on defense, where would you pick? The, the, the Right down the middle, right down the gut, right down the middle. So okay. whether it's the delayed, delayed handoffs, or maybe the, the Delaware front gets beaten a little bit on blocks up the gut and the delayed handoff creates, a, you know, the pa a patient running back will be able to see through that. I think Jamar Curtis. I'm not butchering his name, right? Jamar Curtis for Lafayette, uh, the running back, oh, yeah. did really well with his patience oh. as a runner and found holes and in the first half was blown by Delaware. And that can be a weakness in the heart of the middle of the defense. Now, it's weird to say because Jackson Taylor is a linebacker in that spot, but they're asking right. linebackers to do a lot. There are three down linemen, and sometimes they're bringing a four and five man front. And if you guess wrong, when you're bringing those four and fives, you're going to get beat, right? And so I think oh. Delaware's had some, you know, some difficult calls. And Manny Rojas, I apologized to him before. He's a good DC. And Del Ryan Carr is going to keep him around. Um, but the reason I brought up maybe – you know, does Delaware right think about, especially as it moves up to the FBS on Saturday, I was thinking maybe does it think about changing up the defensive looks and the whole scheme and the whole coordinator spot is that time and time again against high-quality opponents or against higher quality, against an Elon, against a Richmond in 2022, against a Villanova, the deeper pass plays down the seam and the running plays as Delaware tries to scramble in the middle of the defense and cover the middle of the field between the hashes and especially those seam plays maybe just outside the hashes. Those are spots I think have been trouble spots for Delaware, and it shows up time and time again when Delaware's been on the field a little while longer, when offenses are pushing Delaware, when Delaware's having to spend longer time on the field. Delaware I just, I just down feel for you, Daniel, because field. that was like us last year. That was definitely <laughs> yeah. our 2022 season. Oh, my gosh. You when you, when exactly you, see, Del yeah. when you yeah. see Delaware play defense, let me know if it, if it reminds you of – No, if oh, Delaware plays I, well, maybe it, it won't. It, maybe it won't it, no, it, it, it does. I watched yeah. the whole Lafayette game, and I'm like, I think I've seen this team play. I'm like, wait – it was last year. Yeah. Wait, this team's wearing blue jerseys. What the, or black jerseys on Saturday? What the heck? Yeah. 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 Well, so, how, what was your What was your observation, Adam? Did you have What were you thinking? Well, we might have been well, thinking differently, but yeah. Well, and I, I just thought like, the middle was was alarming to me, but also, I I don't know if they're young, but their cornerbacks were either just way too far out, or they they were just giving a lot of room, and yeah. so when they you know would run up, they the wide receivers would just run right by them. And so yeah. I didn't know if that was like strategy, but like the Lafayette, like miss a lot of deep passes, a lot yeah. of deep passes. I'm thrilled you mentioned that because that was going to be my next point. So we're on, we're on the same page with this. Yeah. You guys are seeing it the same. And I, I watched the team all season. You guys obviously are, you know, you guys are, I know you guys have been doing a great job. I, I know, <laughs> I've been about the podcast for a while and I can tell you saw one game of Delaware, at least from Lafayette, you probably watched more by now. And it's just, you see, you picked up on it right away. It's the, yeah. The corner spot for Delaware does have an injury. Tyron Herring, another one of those grad transfers for Delaware. He's a, he's a corner who's a uh, transfer from Dartmouth College, mm -hmm. and uh, he followed uh, Delaware's new corners coach, Carico Wright, to Delaware. Oh, the story was, you know, Tyron Herring really wanted to play for Carico Wright, and Carico Wright leaves for him and comes to Delaware. 
And now, and Furman's had a great year despite all that. But, yeah. um, you know, but Coach Wright has been great for Delaware because he helped attract Tyron Herring and Khalil Dossie, two Ivy League grad transfer corners. Khalil Dossie came from Harvard. He's healthy on one end. On the other end, Tyron Herring was not healthy to end the regular season. To end Villanova, Tyron Herring was not healthy. And we did not see Tyron Herring against Lafayette. And so playing for him was another transfer, a younger transfer by the name of a Corey Lide of the Wisconsin transfer who was banged up at Wisconsin, didn't get to participate as much with the Badgers, uh, but comes from New Jersey as well. And, uh, you know, comes from the same city in New Jersey as uh, Delaware's legendary uh, DB, Mike Adams, who played many years in the NFL, might yeah. remember the name, spent some time with the Broncos out that way. My, my layover's in Denver, so I have Denver on the mind when I get out to Missoula. But um, <laughs> anyway, Mike Adams played for the Broncos, and Mike Adams <laughs> from the same city that Corey Lide came from, the current cornerback for Delaware, Corey Lide. And uh, Corey's a sophomore, you know, so he's younger than me. So I, I can totally understand, you know, he was in a spot where he had to play more of a full game reps than he had played. You know, he's rotating in. We'd seen him a lot. Corey Lyde had been in a lot of games for Delaware at the corner spot, number 26 for Delaware at the corner mm -hmm. spot. Um, but he had a bit of a tough time on that last Lafayette drive that was a deep pass play um, yeah. that Lafayette pulled. Uh, Corey also, I want to say, was the player for Delaware who was out of position on that offsides that gave Lafayette a chance to score on a fourth and goal. Uh, the game off yet the lead. I think it was the lead late in the game. Again, I yeah. probably, probably yeah. sound yeah. like I don't know what I'm talking about, but it's because I'm <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's late over on the East Coast right now. It's, so. it's been a crazy day. It's been a crazy day. And you've um, had a lot, so, of, a lot of stuff to report today. Yeah, a Corey lied. Um, you know, and I'm gonna sound like I'm, I'm banging on him. I'm not because he's played valuable snaps for Delaware as a younger player and as a transfer, he's just gotten to UD and, and really gotten himself up to speed in camp. He's sure. a guy who got himself up to speed, was coming off of his, you know, his own injury rehab kind of thing, and and he is a is a reliable piece for Delaware more times than not, but he had trouble in one-on-ones and he wasn't just him. I think Delaware's corners were asked to do a lot. Maybe Villanova, excuse me, not Villanova. It was Villanova's scheme. that was good too, but Lafayette's scheme did quite well in getting Delaware in spots where it was at risk of losing some one-on-one -on -one matchups and Delaware did fall in some one-on-one -on -one matchups and that included the corner spot and the soft coverage by the corners is one of the reasons that I was tweeting about the DC's job. Now <laughs> right. I keep saying, I keep banging on myself for that because I got ratioed in the end because the defense was actually very good in the second half after a Lafayette QB injury yeah. and Delaware tightened up and made the comeback and I deserved all the flack I got and I ate my crow, but I still stand by the sense that I'm not sure Delaware is really built to defend the highest level teams, whether it's Montana, which is a, obviously a top two FCS team or it's in the best FBS teams in the next few years because of the way the bend don't break coverage sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, I know Delaware trusts its DBs. I know it trusts its takeaways and it trusts its, you know, timely TFLs at times and it trusts its tackling linebackers and Delaware has some really talented DB tacklers in space too, but gosh, there are a lot of completions with open yardage and it's risky business against a talented team like Montana or against Lafayette or against Villanova or against Elon. You can understand why uh, that was my sentiment a little bit during the game against Lafayette, at least during the first half, because, I don't think Delaware's going to change its its ways. I think you're going to see Delaware play with a lot of cushion off the line. When, yeah, when you when you get when you don't get the pass rush that you're usually right, obviously right. getting it, it, it can you can live and die by it. And so uh, a lot of the passing, the middle, the the deep routes. Uh, I, I feel you. That was us last year, and we've changed yeah. some things up this year yeah. with our, our defensive coordinator and um, defensive analysts. So. Mm -hmm. um, which have been phenomenal for us. So, um, but yeah, your defense, you know, you're looking at pretty much fifth in the, the CA and rushing and passing as if I'm looking at this and then total yards, I kind of saw fifth to sixth to seventh kind of immediate route kind of um, where you guys kind of landed, you know, you guys do average, you know, high 400s of, of passing or for total yardage. And so a lot of that, that, uh, 
team is 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 offensive and then that kind of bend don't break kind of defense it is. as well. It is. And I have to say it's it's very strange because we've been talking about Delaware's pass defense and is it really all that? And is it my question? It's a question. Is it really all that? And then you think about you look at some of the defensive efficiency numbers, the pass defense efficiency numbers, they're pretty good. So the efficiency mm-hmm. comes into yeah. play where it's like shoot, you're, you are making timely stops and you're getting takeaways. The interceptions really help. Delaware's had a nose for the football with interceptions. Sure, yeah. there have been some favorable QB matchups Delaware's enjoyed too along the way. Um, but I think it's weird because it's I shouldn't say weird. It's you give credit and you criticize, right? It's just an even-keeled approach, right? Credit is due to Delaware's uh, talented secondary for its takeaways through the air and for the efficiency numbers that tell you that Delaware's defense is coming up with stops, but also not without falling behind in some cases. I mean, Delaware fell behind in New Hampshire, 18 to nothing. And yeah. came back in that one, and that saved Delaware's season. You lose to New Hampshire, you don't have a quality win. You, you're, you're at seven and four coming out of the CAA. Seven wins, really, I didn't think was going to be enough in the CAA. Yeah. Uh, and Delaware would be in a world of hurt having to go in the FBS without the momentum of having an appearance, having a first round win at home, all those things. Yeah. Uh, Delaware would be in big trouble in that regard. And so Delaware has made comebacks this year, and uh, Delaware got more fast starts against maybe lesser competition later in the year. So Delaware showed it can start games on a hot note, sure. but I guess the better to above average quality teams. Uh, it's been more of Delaware has had a risk of falling behind in games. And that's not all the um, defense. The yeah. offense has uh, sometimes settled into a play calling groove or an execution groove or both, I should say, a little yeah. later in games you'd want to. And it's high expectations. I mean, Ryan Carty's a former QB for Delaware. He was a backup QB on the 03 national championship team for Delaware. So locals around here will tell you the offense needs to be up here because it's just yeah. Carty's a well-known offensive name and, and he has an aggressive offensive approach. He goes for a lot of fourth downs. He's aggressive. Uh, and so, there are high expectations for this offense, and this offense hasn't always given the defense the best runway to start games, as was the case against Lafayette, where, shoot, and the defense is on the field for yeah. an eternity with those giveaways that Delaware committed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, one thing that I kind of wanted to go into, do you have anything in with the, the defense, Luke? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, special teams. Like, I tried figuring out who your field goal kicker was. Um, it, it it was kind of confusing to me because like multiple people have had field goal kicks and in the Lafayette game, you know, you have, um, I think it was Alex smoke that, that had the field goal kick, but he right. wasn't really the usual field goal kicker because Nate Reed, I believe is like mm-hmm. seven for 10, um, right. has kind of had a, a hard year this year. So who's the field goal kicker? Is it kind of trial by error? Or how, what's that look like? Awesome, awesome question to lead off special teams because it really is a committee in a sense. The hot hand is being ridden in a sense. Yep. Delaware's an offense that, for the reasons I described before, the short yardage isn't a great, hasn't been efficient for Delaware. Delaware goes for a lot of fourth downs in short yardage, so you're not kicking as many field goals in the red zone. And Delaware mm-hmm. also, when it does score, it has a lot of explosive, and Coach Carter calls them X plays, explosive plays, and I'm, he's not the only coach who calls them that, but I'm just – just saying I'll, I'll call next plays on the broadcast. And so uh, Delaware does a lot of that. So you don't attempt a lot of field goals if you're Delaware to begin with. Um, and so that makes it harder to gauge who is the kicker. Well, really, it has been who's been making them reliably in games lately and how's practice been going and that kind of thing. And uh, Alex Schmoke is the grad transfer from St. Francis University, who is the NEC champ, who actually kicked at Delaware multiple times um, in over the course of his career. I mean, Alex Schmoke kicked at Delaware Stadium in, I want to say, a fall 21 regular season game and a – and the last season's postseason game before he even wore it. Like he kicked in Delaware Stadium multiple times before he even put on Delaware's uniform, which is kind of oh, funny, wow. right? Like he, he had experience kicking in Newark uh, before he even uh, was a home team player. And so he comes in at a high level of pedigree. And uh, Nate Reed's a guy who transferred from D2 East Stroudsburg University, also from Pennsylvania, is East Stroudsburg. And um, Nate Reed actually had to take a year off from playing college football because of the timing of his transfer. He wasn't able to 
you know, play competitively last season in 2022. So he, he committed the time of his commitment as a transfer uh, and he ended up making his, you know, debut here in 2023. And, uh, He's been a guy who I think maybe is even Delaware's better bet on long distance. Again, hard sample size. Alex Schmoke mm-hmm. just clutched up for the game-winning kick against Lafayette on Saturday. So Alex Schmoke's very capable, too. Right. You can see him go longer distance, too. I have a feeling that if Delaware's first try is longer distance at Montana, you might see Nate Reed first as long as he's healthy, which sure. I don't. I think he is. Uh, I say about every <laughs> Delaware player now with the way – and everybody has injuries this late in the year, yeah. so people probably hate hearing me say that. But, um, yeah, Nate Reed and Alex Schmoke, don't be surprised if – you know, each gets one attempt. Don't be surprised if whoever kicks first and makes it, kicks it again, you know, if Delaware attempts it again. Don't be surprised if it's a, if, if, if there's a PAT miss, if they switch kickers, right? Like, I, I, it's very much like, you know, where's the hot potato falling here for Delaware? And so it's it's better. It's an improved position than it was in 2022. <coughs> mm-hmm. It's much improved than it was in 2022, Cardi's first year. But it's a bit, a bit spotty in some senses because you, you don't have an every kick kicker. Yeah. So, you know, and one of these uh, these kickers, you know, how well uh, is their accuracy? Because one thing that I'm thinking is, is we have a an amazing kick returner, punt returner uh, in Junior Bergen. And if you are not accurate on where you're pu- placing the ball, if you're, you know, let one hang too long or if you, you know, are not being careful, you know, something that looks like, you know, a touchback or, or something happens, he'll take it to the house. Uh, and he's done that multiple times. Uh, how good are these, these kickers with accuracy? Is it something that they have struggled with this year or, or what's that look like? Nate Reed had a good day with uh, place kicking on kickoffs as far as touchbacks went in the Lafayette game. And then as it happened, his last kick in the Lafayette game, as far as kickoffs went, actually was one that they're trying to hook it towards the end zone and make <laughs> it not returnable. And it goes out of bounds, right? As you guys saw on it, at least to, so, you know, not to rag on him for that one play alone, but it was a difficult yeah. spot to have that happen to you. And I was watching Coach Cardi's reaction. He, you know, you throw your hands up and you say, that's the time where we do that. You know, the one time in the game. Uh, so, you know, Delaware, you'll see Delaware strategically pop it up and try to get maybe an up back to return it at times. Maybe pop okay. it up so that Delaware's kind of on its kick return coverage to get there in time to make a play. I don't think Delaware's kick return coverage on punt or kickoff has been great this year. You know, Delaware's had spots where return men are getting alleys for maybe 10, 15 yards at times. And, it's imperfect. Now, the stats, the eye test tells me that is that it's not perfect for Delaware. The, the mm-hmm. stats are probably a little better than my eye test is telling me. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Montana's going to be able to rip one off. Not maybe yeah. for a touchdown, but you're going to see. I think Delaware Montana's going to be able to get one off because I don't know Delaware getting off the plane, long trip, playing back to back weeks, yeah. not making excuses. I can just kind of predict, you know, well, cold weather, long trip as the game goes on or maybe early in the game at some point along the way. I have a feeling Montana might not take one the distance. They, I wouldn't be shocked if they did. Um, but I think the Grays are going to be able to get one where it's good field position. You're going to say, oh, wow, what a return. And, you know, that was blocked up beautifully. Or maybe Delaware missed one tackle here and there and on a return. And, yeah, I, I, my prediction is that's going to happen uh, once or twice. Well, it always seems more. like in these playoff games we get people kicking at him like, oh, we can defend yeah. him. And then well, it's like, and what was oh, that? Crap. And you guys will remember, was it the Southeastern? Did Southeastern Louisiana come to you guys in a playoff uh, round a few years ago? And it was a big return? Yeah, Sela came a couple years ago. Yeah. Was, what was it? Uh, was it Flowers? Was it flowers? flowers, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. going to say Flowers. I remember that name. Flowers was excellent, right? On those returns, yeah. I want to say. Yeah. 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 We've, been, we've been fortunate in our returners yeah. over the years. Yeah. And I, and I honestly, as an FCS fan, and just I love watching the games. I love seeing the place erupt on those big returns, right? I mean, that, yeah. and and was there a return last year against, was it Simo? Simo, you know, Flowers as well. So well, it was Flowers last year against Simo. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. That was there a fun go. game. Another that night playoff game. game. The night playoff game, you're going to love it when you're there. It's that atmosphere is something to see. Well, and so we're scheduled to be the word from uh, your great SID, uh, Eric, who's been helping coordinate no, with us so yeah, far. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, um, you know, he let us know 
you know, we should be able to get set up, you know, on the roof of the press box, you know, like get it, get some coverage with the tent and everything. Cause I know, you know, not many places in the FCS have student radio booths. And I was outside at SDSU last year, like South Dakota state oh, had me outside. <laughs> and so I can handle it. I'm not complaining at all. I'm just saying that I'm honestly rooting for some snow because I want to see the views from all that way up there, all high up there, the snow yeah. maybe falling. I don't know. If right we'll now it that. says uh, about 30 to 28 to 30 degrees and cloudy. So, okay. Maybe, maybe we won't get the precipitation. I, I'm rooting for it, honestly, because I'll be <laughs> but, uh, yeah, now I say that now, Ask me during the game, maybe I'll be like, oh, oh, no, no snow is great. So, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, no, great atmosphere. And the kick return game gets up for Montana or punt return. And, you know, Delaware values special teams, but Delaware doesn't have a special teams coordinator either, right? So I just wonder sometimes about exactly how sound it is on certain snaps. And, again, it's hard to be consistent every time, um, but I think it's something that's come up over the course of the year, and it's one of those maybe trouble spots for UD. Yeah, yeah. ours is different because our head coach is our special teams coordinator. There you go. Yeah. John, John Harbaugh type. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Very much like I, I would bring up the name out here. We just we just watched Ravens last night on campus. So, uh, you know, Joe Flacco being a Raven when he well, came that, up. So I was going to bring that up earlier. They were talking about Flacco earlier because they think that he may start for the Browns, who's, you know, as we all know, a famous yep. blue man. So my, my childhood yeah. quarterback. Yeah. I, I catch a lot of slack. Oh, you know, he's going to be done. My friend's like, ah, oh, you know, he should, they, I had people tell me tonight uh, on campus, uh, you know, maybe he won't start. Maybe they should give PJ Walker a chance. And I was saying, well, they, they signed him for a reason, you know, I mean, he played in the AFC North. Why not? But I'm biased. Don't ask me about that. I shouldn't even talk about that. My bias will come through. That's my, that's my guy. I'll admit. No, that's all right. Mm-hmm. Well, well as, as well, Adam, back. Yeah. Then, anytime any FCS player makes the NFL, we root for all of them. Yes, yep. I'm like, with you. I love rooting for all the FCS guys. No I'm right what. there with you. And uh, sure. Delaware is uh, reportedly set to move up the fall after I graduate. So I don't know what this coming fall will look like for my senior sure. year in 24. Maybe and I don't have to bring up this combo again, but you know, even beyond Delaware being the FCS, I'm gonna be watching and uh, rooting yeah. for those FCS guys because you know, I you know, I followed Craig Haley's bracketology as like a little kid, you know, like I was all into <laughs> it. And Delaware, Delaware didn't make a ton of appearances there for a little while for me. Um, but uh, it was a situation where I, I yeah, I love the subdivision. I'm so glad that. Um, both the Grizz and those other guys in your state are uh, in the in the subdivision, and the yeah. conference is great that you guys have. And um, yeah, I just I'm going to keep watching for sure. And those FCS guys, like you said, outstanding. In so the that's one thing too that came out today. They're talking about elevating some of the games to ESPN. They mm, have yeah. announced, but they're talking about two more possibly. I heard the SIU and Idaho game is going to get it, and then I saw the Idaho with us being yeah. a night game. It very well could get that bump too. Plus, I love that. You fill, anytime you can fill the stadium and it looks good on TV, they yeah. try to do that. So. Yeah, most definitely. Wagers is going to look great. You guys deserve that spotlight. It's happened before, I know, and it should happen again. I'm pulling for that. And, um, yeah, Delaware Stadium had a tough week with the uh, Thanksgiving week. wasn't exactly the greatest. Wow. Uh, I think they underreported. I was tweeting. I'm pretty sure underreporting keeps happening because I was there. You know, again, I'm not calling this through a blue and gold tinted glasses. I really think there were more than 4,000 people there um, on Saturday. It sounded, it sounded like it. There, yeah, there was a big, big crowd. It, it sounded yeah. like there was a lot of people there. Well, yeah, even, I guess even Delaware, the I just gave us some pennies like, together. What's that? We, we have a hard time at the, at the University of Montana on Thanksgiving weekend. It's like yeah. – if you can get twelve to fourteen, yeah, that's your hard, the yeah. good thing is it's usually the hardcore fans that are there are going to be nuts yeah. anyway. Right. So it's like, yeah, right. that's the one right. you want. And that and that was the case for UD late in the game with yeah. that comeback for sure. So, um, but anyway, I know it's a little off topic, but as long as talking about the two programs and you know these are two programs I know that are high up there in attendance and have the pedigree yeah. and the great traditions. And so you know I'm glad this is happening before the move up for Delaware because yeah. you know this is kind of what I want to see in my lifetime. I, you know, you want Delaware to be as a Delaware person, if you're a Delaware fan, and if you're covering Delaware, I get the chance to cover Delaware out here and. Yeah, um, really cool. you you want to have this kind of situation. Like yeah. this is part of the perks of the FCS. You know, for all the right. conference talk, this is what you want to see. So I appreciate it so much. The opportunity. Well, I always thought there was they should do some type of like a home and home series because we know we did that with uh, Appalachian that? State. Well, that uh, and one year play we did with Hofstra. Where they yeah, came wow. out. I mean Hofstra's not around, but we had Hofstra yeah. come out and we went there, and that yeah. was awesome because yeah, none of us Montana kids ever been to New York City. 
So we went a few <laughs> days early and got to visit like Times Square and wow. yeah. see all that stuff. That's and awesome. So that was really cool. So again, yeah. the perks you get with FCS football. Now, yeah. I was just at Hofstra earlier this fall with a, uh, a non-football coverage, a, a, actually a men's soccer conference tournament, actually. And um, Hofstra is very close to the city. I didn't realize how close it was. Yeah. I'd only been to Stony Brook. I'd been to Stony Brook, as you know, from football that you just went over. Yeah. At. But um, yeah, I'd not been to Hofstra yet. And that's not far from the city. So I'm glad no. you guys are able to get out yeah, there. It's not at all. So yeah. Well, any other questions, Luke? No, no. I just want to say, uh, Daniel, I really appreciate you taking yeah. the time. And it's really late over there. Oh, uh, good. You know. But college students, you have a lot more energy than like those of our older <laughs> yeah. guys. But, uh, yeah, your listeners are going to want to listen to this. Having you on here tonight, and I just want yeah, to say I really you. appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I, and I'll just say, your listeners are probably going to want to turn this down like 0.5 speed. I know I go pretty quickly. <laughs> I, get, I get excited. I jam a lot in there, and um, yeah, it's hard to maybe listen to me for the first time. So I apologize no. in advance for that. Oh, you're but, good. Um, oh no, I but I appreciate I, your kind I, words. Yeah, it, it's amazing. You've had a busy week or busy day. One of my last questions is. I, do you think that they, if they don't get this win against Lafayette, do they get that invite? Yeah. Yeah. You think it'd be, so? it'd be, it would, it would be a bit premature and knee jerk to say okay. that based on one on field result, all of a sudden the invite gets pulled. Uh, yeah. Conference USA has a reputation where I'm, I have a feeling they're not done and they're going to be looking at other FCS call ups okay. too. And so um, I kind of doubt that, but the perception, the PR would have been way harder. On oh, yeah. Than oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. and the Twitter replies and everything, this makes it much easier. Um, but yeah. now Montana's going to have something to say about that because Montana could, Montana has something up its sleeve, I know, and it could get out of hand as a two seed, you know, hosting Delaware. And so we'll see how it shakes <laughs> out. But yeah, um, Delaware's very glad it won. Uh, Delaware's very glad it won for more reasons than one and not just yeah. this year. Yeah, you make a good point, Adam. Yeah. Well, Daniel, I can't thank you enough, you know, spending some time with us on a busy day, but uh, thank you for, uh, uh, being with us and you know Grizz Nation if you you see Daniel around yeah. uh at Missoula buy him a beer and, and <laughs> thank some you. food or something like that and we'll say just show him around birthday on Saturday so please do but there not, you go there you go 21 maybe, on Saturday maybe, maybe post game so that I don't 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 I don't want WVD to hear that I can't do a pre game <laughs> with my podcast coming up but post game post game we may I'll be staying in Missoula post game head, so, head uh, down there to Mo, the Mo, uh, Missoula club the Mo club or the Mo club, uh, Knox yeah. and people there you go They'll buy it. They'll buy it. Awesome. Those are recommendations. Sounds yeah. good. Sounds good for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, we're flying into another location in Montana that I won't mention. I won't specify, but we're, we're going to drive to Missoula as soon as possible. <laughs> there you okay. go. It's, it's a nice drive. Yeah. So. It is a nice drive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Yep. All right, man. Well, well, thanks for spending some time with us, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. Thanks, Daniel. We'll see you later, Daniel. All right. Well, that was really cool. Delaware on there. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't think we were going to get him and he came on and that was really insightful just hearing his his stuff so yeah i, I think you know it's good to see a perspective from where you know we don't i i i usually just look at the big sky teams yeah. you know I'll, I'll look at some missouri valley teams once in a while if there's no football on but you know we don't i don't watch too much caa i know the team yeah. but i don't know about them and so well, having kind of someone that knows the team and the CAA, I mean, that used to be the conference. I mean, before yeah. the Missouri Valley and the Big Sky became what they are, that was the conference, you know. But yeah. a lot of those teams you rattle off are on the Sun Belt now. So exactly. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that Delaware's leaving. I, I would call them an older blue blood is what I guess I would call them. Um, but, yeah, that was that was cool just getting his perspective and stuff. Exactly, exactly. You know, um, we, we kind of went over Delaware guys and, and we kind of just wanted to kind of go over, you know, what we thought the keys of the game are. We had some people that kind of had some questions. And so we kind of wanted to go through there. Um, and then, you know, also predictions because um, yeah, I'm down by, I'm down by two. <laughs> um, so we were talking and I didn't want to bring this up to him when he was on there. Cause I didn't want to talk trash to his, about his guys. And it's not really talking trash too bad. Yeah. 
we have Mr. Gubbs, who I love out there, who's just mm -hmm. wrecking ball. And I was watching number 55, their center, and that boy stands up a lot. Um, I think it's going to be a long day for the Delaware Blue Hens center 55. I think he's Gubbs is going to spend the day in the backfield. Yeah. Uh, if if I see – if I'm 55, I'm nervous coming into this game. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of double teams with that guards coming down and they're – which is going to free up our backers because, I mean, look at Gubbs. I, he had one tackle in the MSU game. Um, one huge tackle. Yeah, one huge tackle. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, obviously, but uh, <laughs> but I mean that's it. He 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 does his job so well and just such yeah. a dominant force. And I think he has the opportunity to really dominate here. Yeah, so. I, I I totally think that that's correct too. You know that they're big, their offensive linemen. I think that on the broadcast that I watched, they average about three ten. Sure. Uh, but the mobility, I, I kind of question of how mobile they are. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, Lafayette, you know, they, they had, they did have 35 team tackles this year and they were kind of getting to their quarterback. He is running around. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, they, they do run the ball pretty well, but you yeah. know, they're yeah, 21's good, but um, 21's good, but we we're don't know if he's going to be that run and, uh, boy, you know, good luck to their quarterback. I, I can't imagine a, a true freshman, Oh. Having your first start and in, in doing what he did, and then Our coming back, and then coming here, they're going to have the smell of blood in the water already. Oh my they're lord! Just looking their chops, going, "All right, let's introduce this this young man to Washington." Oh, and then two, so them moving up to the FBS, I can just hear Bobby. Let's give them the send off they deserve. Oh yeah, go to the FBS. You know, yep. beat that crap out of them. So well, and I had a prediction before that, and now I'm like. Uh, I've got my prediction written down, baby, and it's well. My, well, I did my prediction a couple nights ago when I was oh, wow. doing research, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're leaving for the FBS, and I'm like, do I want to change it? Because <laughs> uh, you know that you still, play, you still that have time part. to change it. You haven't I know. made it known but, yet. Um, so so it, it's interesting to see that. But, you know, what are the keys of the game, Luke, that you're looking for? So I think on offense, uh, like like we talked about um, with Daniel, it's it's running up the middle. Because they, they have that 3-3-5, three, three, but they really put their, their DNs out in that, like, like five, six techniques. And so yeah. um, if we can dominate that center and create lanes, I think, I mean, we can gash them in the run yeah. game. Um, especially because we talked about, it reminds us, our old 3-3-5, three, three, yeah. where – if they're overcommitting, getting out of lanes, boy, you can get them. And then, too, the corners and stuff. The way Clifton's mm -hmm. throwing the ball now, yeah, um, I think we're going to see a lot of offense. Um, I do think we're going to see a lot of offense, too. And so. I think on defense, I mean, as much as they turn the ball over and the freshman <laughs> quarterback and, you know, bless his heart, he's, I don't, he's never played in front of a night crowd at Washington Grizzly. That's going to be nuts and loud, and he may fold. I don't know. I don't know this kid, but. It's it's hard for most, you know, quarterbacks that are used to Washington Grizzlies to deal with that. So yeah, good luck, young man. Yeah, it's and, and I don't I don't expect a a sellout by any means, just because it's it's a a night yeah, game and it's also you're still probably they're yeah. they're crazy. You're, yeah, there's still going to be eighteen twenty thousand. I think that that are going to be there. and it's the eighteen or twenty thousand people that care and no one to yell mm -hmm. and not to yell. It's yep. not the people there for the social aspect. They're there yep. because they love the Montana Grizzlies and they want to cheer and scream and go nuts. And yep. like last year at that SEMO game, 
there oh yeah was open seats in the south end zone but it was freaking loud as hell and everybody was going crazy we didn't sit the whole game we're jumping yeah. around and screaming and it was just a nuts yep. crowd and that's that's what i think we're going to see this weekend i think so too i think so too yeah i i think you know getting pressure on the qb and making him uncomfortable I think that's going to happen. Uh, like you said, uh, runs running up the middle is going to be even more effective. But I just think that the the quick slots to Bergen yeah. in in getting those wide receivers involved, I, yeah. I just don't I just don't know how we don't you know. And I, I don't want to knock on wood. I, I don't see how we don't score over thirty points in this game. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to score a lot. And then so, you were just saying getting over the top of the Bergen and stuff. Yeah. What that's going to do is going to open up the run game for Clifton. Oh yeah, that yeah. that play action uh, pass game in the opposite where they think, oh you know yeah he's going to go and boom all of a sudden he's running like the draw play and stuff. Yeah, that could be huge. We can see some big big runs from Clifton. Well, and I I also think that you know one of the guys that does not get the accolades that I think he does get the accolades but gets overlooked is Eli. Right, he is so patient back there. Uh, the Lafayette. Uh, running back was so patient back there as well when yeah. I was watching him play Delaware. that he he was you know ten yards at a time. So have you noticed how that's changed over there? Oh yeah. Go back to some of our first pods. I, t- I was talking about how how Eli wasn't patient. I was like he's hitting the hole too fast. Yeah. Not no more. No. When to slow it up that the hole opens and boom he hits it. He hits it yeah. so fast. I mean the guy is just it's amazing the development and how much he's progressed. Just in one year. That's why he's exactly. a nice award winner. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. Can't wait till wait till Saturday at 7. So Yeah. So, uh, you know, we have got some uh, predictions. You want to do predictions first or questions? So, I was going to say, let's do predictions. And if you don't mind, yeah. I was going to jump on kind of our top of the FCS bracket challenge. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And announce some of those names right now. I put it out there on Twitter and Facebook. But I thought we'd just say some of those names and kind of tell everybody where they're sitting. Um, yeah, and guys, you, you got to give you know if you see Luke on Twitter or Facebook, like definitely give him a, a, a what's up or, or a good job because he this is all Luke. He he's put this together. He, he's done a great job. Um, it, I've always wanted to do an FCS bracket, and yeah, it's a lot of work, but I'm like I dig it, man. Like seeing yeah. all the brackets, see where people are coming in. I made my own spreadsheet and stuff. <laughs> it's just like your big board. They're <laughs> like Brent would have this up already. I was like, oh, I know. I was I had COVID over the. I've got COVID right now. And I was yeah. crap over the weekend. It's like I still. Had, there's 52 brackets is what we got. So I'm impressed. Like pushing it through. I was I was pumped that we got 52 because when yeah. I started this, I was like, well. If we get like twenty, that'll be awesome. So <laughs> yeah. the fact that we got fifty-two, I think that's pretty awesome. Well, and there's some other other places that are doing those brackets too. Mm-hmm. So uh, the fifty-two that started with us are, are with us, and we're glad you're with us. So yeah. So since we're talking about, let me just give the the yeah. top right now. So we did have two perfect brackets. Um, Justin Bertram had eight right, and then the other one was Tad uh, Brendan. He had eight right as well. Oh, wow. Uh, there's a whole lot of fives. I'm in the five range. That would be um, <laughs> There's a bunch of sevens. Zach Lord, Shane uh, Eddington's a seven. Ross uh, Flattiger's a seven. Linda Cockhill's a seven. Jordan Whit- uh, Whitmire's a seven. Eric Schmidt's got seven. Um, and that looks like it. The rest of us are hanging in those sixes and five range. There's a few three or fours, but... This is go. progressive. Next round's worth four points and win. Then there eight, 16, 32. So you never know. You're still in it. 
Nice to win it. Thanks everybody for participating. I'll have uh, I'll get them the, the standings out as fast as I can once the games are all over this weekend. Oh well, well, thank you, Luke. I can't. can't pre- I appreciate you a lot, man, for doing yeah, that. So. My pleasure. Um, predictions, man. What do you got? What do you okay, got? Okay, so um, as I've done all season versus app, they have us ranked at three still. Three? So, yeah, they have us at three. Wow. Uh, they have South Dakota State and USD above us. Then us at three is what versus has. But whatever. Okay. Um, they predict a Grizz win over Delaware, twenty-seven to fifteen is what De- versus has. 27 to 15? Yeah. So, you know, again, wow. they've been wrong all season. Yeah. So, in this case, I think that they're wrong by they've predicted the score as far as the points that the Grizz will score and the points that Delaware will score on us wrong. So, my prediction is this I have the Grizz winning 42 to 10. I think we're going to smoke them. And I think part of me, when I put 10 down, I was like, is that too much? Should I put three or maybe seven? Maybe six, just two feet. <laughs> playing lights out. I so, know, right? I apologize to the defense. I'm giving them 10 because, you know, maybe they run one back. I, I feel bad about the freaking special teams then. So I don't know if they can get 10, but I got 42 to 10. Okay. What do you got? Oh, man. I'm going to, I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with my, 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 my score. I got 34 to 10. 34 10. All right. Yeah. So All right. I, I, I keep on going back to that 10 2. Like that's the, the, that, that's gonna be a hard ten. They've only let what twenty four points in the last four yeah. games. That's why I feel like I'm like bashing our defense by saying yeah. they can score ten. So yeah. um, I a, a football football coach of mine used to say, you know, you shouldn't let them get more than seventeen. He goes, they're probably gonna get an offensive touchdown, and there's probably gonna be some other weird touchdown, whether it's special teams or someone yeah. quarterback throwing a stupid pick or something. And then there used to be a field goal. So he goes, but they shouldn't be able to ever get more than seventeen. <laughs> his theory was always oh man uh let's get to some questions man we had a lot of great questions and, and you awesome. know guys thank you for you know uh responding to us uh let me find them here um i tried to send them over to you luke so that you could see them before yeah i, I saw I, didn't I, have I was a... reading through a few of them okay. um especially uh our, our friend up in alaska there I uh, talking about the playoff game. I, I made sure I had that. Yeah. One. So, so uh, the first one here I got is uh, from Brian uh, Greed. I think it's earn earn your turns. Um, assuming we get to the point. Sorry, my thing keeps on going. Would you rather we whip the scats twice in a season, or get some revenge on NDSU for our prior postseason woes in Fargo? So I feel like this is the revenge tour. Uh-huh. And uh, that's why this weekend we need revenge on Delaware from that 93 loss because that yep. was BS back then. Yep. Uh, Dickinson should have won that game. So for me, we've already pissed pounded the Cats. I'd rather yeah. get revenge on North Dakota State in yeah. our house again because you know what? We've gone up there a few times and they've had their way with us. Mm-hmm. And as you talked about, you had Eli on here. He'd love to have his way with Oh, him. man. And I know Bobby would too. So it's like, yeah. let's get the revenge to her going. I want to see North Dakota State beat up on the kiddies and have them come meet us in Washington Grizzly and let's kick their ass. Yeah, I I think that that would be. I, I want to I want to I want to beat up on NDSU. I've, I've wanted to for so long. <laughs> um, so the the, the 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 dark the dark uh, side of the force. So, uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Luca. Yeah, we that, used to be the I'm evil done. empire, and then they became. Yeah. We need to get that title back. Exactly. Uh, Rickson's dad's at Jay Sunk Hild uh, playoff 
time is an anxious, nervous, fun time. But would you guys agree we have gained so much composure and confidence at all three levels that we will continue to roll this weekend? Something feels special about this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I say the last four weeks, um, I just, it, it's more consistent um, this year. It, everything is more consistent. It's not just sparingly. Yeah. Um, and each year, each week, we've gotten better. One thing on is I just want to keep on building or what uh, Clifton says, keep on stacking, right? Yeah, keep stacking. Um, so, you know, I don't think we've seen the best yet. Like, like I, I'm not, I'm not saying that the the neighbor game wasn't great, and it was, pretty it was, it was pretty close. Yeah, exactly. But I still think there's a couple different things that we could do that we could be at our top. Yeah. Um, and you don't, you don't ever want to be just at your top at the, the beginning of the year. It's always at the end of the year. So yeah. uh, I think and that's you said it perfectly. We've been pe- we're peaking at the right time. We just kept getting better in November. Yeah. Well, in December here, we're just going to keep doing that. And I feel like this team is super focused. Um, like I said, we we went to the Grizz walk when the players were walking mm-hmm. in. Holy cow, the laser focus that a lot of them had. It was just like, well, I mean, yes, there's the rivalry game. But, I mean, I think that they're just so focused on we have a mission. We've completed our goals for the regular season. Yep. Done. Yep. Now let's go complete our goals for the postseason. It all starts with a win against Delaware. Yep. Um, let's see here. Uh, Bridger at B. Dean Lord uh, wants to do a PSA playoff reminder that uh, there will be not as many people there, and that is how it always has been. Please remind people not to freak out when there is 14 to 16 people at the game because those are the ones that are the diehards that want to be there. Exactly. That's exactly think, what we yeah. just said. It's like yep. those are the crazy ones that are uh, – uh, you know, out there just wreaking havoc. By the way, Bridger has five right at the first round. Okay, and then it says, and it plus it will be a night game. It will be great. He kind of went off on a rampage there, which then he gets to his question. So, uh, Bridger, thank you for the questions, and thank you for letting us know about that. Uh, we all we all know that. And also, one thing that one of my uh, friends said is hunting season's over. Yeah. So, you know, there won't be that influx of people gone as well. No. Um, and so I think that's that's going to be well, something that's kind of good students too. Students are back too from Thanksgiving break. I mean, yep. it's like that that game after Thanksgiving is always a much more highly attended yeah. game. So yep. that's why I like what he, what uh, Daniel was talking about. Like, you know, you saw I think North Dakota State only had seven thousand people or something. That that Thanksgiving weekend game is always a brutal one because well, so many yeah. people are out of town. So and NDSU has. Like, not to rag on NDSU, but their, their attendance has been going down drastically. A lot because a lot yeah. of their fans, I saw a lot of them pissed off today when they see Delaware moving up. They're like, yeah. why not us? Yep. So, yeah. Well, and then the CS, CUSA, or Conference USA, I always want to say CUSA, but yeah. uh, Conference USA, I believe at one time was kind of interested in NDSU, but I don't, I don't know if you're NDSU, you do not want the conference no, that's so you gotta, spread out you got to think of other sports too it's not yeah. football yeah so, yeah that would be killer for the other sports oh. Fargo. yeah uh bridger does ask where does delaware stack up and so bridger sorry i didn't uh you know reference your question i did remember your question when we um had uh daniel on um and so i kind of wanted to kind of throw that in there because i knew it was your question so um uh, so it was bridger's question that 
later on in the po- uh, podcast, but he basically says, where does uh, Delaware stack in, up in the history of FCS Blue Blood programs? Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't say they're to the point of uh, NDSU. I wouldn't say that they're to the point of, of us. No. You know, I think there's, I think there's really two levels, right? You've got NDSU, you've got us, you've got JMU, you've got, I would even say Youngstown State is ahead of them because in their earlier years, they were pretty good yeah, as well. I would, I would put Delaware in the same vein as like your Villanovas. Yeah. Um, you know, the pro- programs like that. I mean, it's like you, you and I, maybe. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you and I always seem to make their way in. They didn't this year, but it's they, they used to be, but then they yeah. you know, had some quiet years. But, yep. you know, anytime you get a starting quarterback, too, like Joe Flacco for many years, it kind of gives your 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 program a little more visibility. So, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So, so I, it's kind of a hard place to put put where they would be, but I, I think that those were, you know, Luke. I think he threw well, out some good names as well. Once JMU left the CAA, Delaware yeah. and Villanova are kind of the top schools there. All of a sudden, well, yeah. With well, know, now that you know that uh, Delaware is leaving, you've got Villanova. Mm-hmm. You've got who else? You got there? Richmond, I believe. Richmond, yeah. So yeah, so I mean, William Al- Perry, Albany, I Albany, which is a new one. They're, they're in the playoffs this year. New Hampshire, I think, is used to be kind of one of those teams. Oh yeah, for too. But yeah, the CA just isn't what the CA used to be, and that's the thing no. that I'm excited for the Montana to represent the Big Sky this weekend and show the nation that yeah, the CAA isn't it. It's no. Missouri Valley and the Big Sky. Yep, vying for the two top conferences every year now. It is. It is. Uh, Southeast AK Grizz, do you have a favorite Grizz playoff moment slash game and or memory? Um, do you, did you see his? I was gonna read it here. Oh yeah, you want you want to read his? Yeah. Okay. His is a good one. Yeah. So, um, it's gonna take me a second to find. You want me to get it? I have it right here. Oh, okay. Um. So his says. Uh, mine is 2009 SDSU. I was living in South Dakota. Every Monday morning, I would give a Grizz update at work. My boss told me that the Grizz weren't good because they played in the big sky. Uh, <laughs> during the SDSU game, I was driving from Idaho back to South Dakota listening to the game on the radio. The Grizz were losing uh, so bad, I had to change the station. Later, I was heading down Homestake Pass. I dialed I dialed back to the game to check to see how bad the loss was. I found the station right as the Grizz scored and were down by a touchdown. I got to listen to the rest of the game, the rest of the comeback. Um, it felt so good to walk in to work Monday morning after beating SDSU and tease my boss about the team that is only good because they play in the big sky. <laughs> so that's uh, awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> that one brings back a good memory because I was living in South Dakota at the time. And my dad and I were watching that game, and he it's over Thanksgiving weekend. He goes upstairs, like, ah, it's over. And as soon as he goes upstairs, I'm like, Mariani just ran one back. Get back <laughs> down here. And then it just proceeded from there. So yeah, that's, that's, a, that's awesome. A great, what's yours, Adam? Uh two that it's actually that same year. Uh it is the uh 2009 national semifinal game against Appalachian State. Nice. Uh, we uh my best friend and I we made it a, a road trip. Um, that game uh, got pulled over in Bozeman, <laughs> of course. Um, and uh, going too fast. And uh, uh, my friend offered the guy, uh, the cop, a, a 
a donut, uh, which was thought it was not good. We were all in our grizz stuff, and uh, uh, he's like, "You guys better get going." Um, and so, didn't get a ticket, got a warning, got there, and it was a uh, cold, um, <laughs> cold one. And then as the 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 game got farther into it, it got into blizzard like uh, atmosphere, and uh, we were so cold, but we just kept on jumping around. Um, I have the NCA tape where you could buy those games where they yeah. used to sell those games. Oh yeah. And I, I have it. I've watched it a couple times. Um, the Epic hit that just leveled the app state guy. Yeah. Um, and then just to see during the timeouts, uh, the yard people just go through the snow and yeah. shovel off the yard maker uh, mar- markers. And then this lady that we were sitting by, she could tell that we were so cold that she had extra hand warmers and she gave them to us. And we're like, Oh my gosh, thank you. And uh, it it was amazing. That game was the loudest I have heard uh, Washington Grizzly stadium. Um, You know, that, that, that cat, that neighbor game this year was pretty loud. I'm not going to lie. That was pretty loud, but that 2000 national semifinal game, against app state who was i believe back-to-back uh national champions that yeah, year yeah. um you know we were i believe we were like number one but they were favored in that game coming to us i believe um it was a it was a great game yeah that's uh that's an epic one for sure with the snow and yeah app state again the two the two top programs back then yeah you know i think we'd won 100 and some games and they'd won about the same over that period of time and yeah, that was, that was a pretty good one. So mine is also against App State. Um, okay. Actually, back I was on the sidelines. Grizz are on offense. It's overtime. It's the 2000 playing App State for a chance to go to the national title. And Drew Miller hits Jimmy Ferris in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, I think it was like a 15-yard touchdown pass. And that was the loudest I'd ever heard that stadium. It went just nuts. You couldn't hear anything on the sidelines. Uh, like Ferris gets picked up. I mean, it was just mayhem. Um, I think the goalposts got ripped down and stuff. I mean, it was just because we had, you know, 95, we won it. 96, we went back and lost it. Yep. Um, and so 2000, here we're going. Drew Miller, Jimmy Ferris, we're heading to Chattanooga. And unfortunately, um, Adrian Peterson, not the that Adrian Peterson, the other one, uh, took us to town when we got up there and we didn't win it. But then we went back and won it the next year against Furman. So, yeah. but that's, that's my favorite playoff memory is seeing all of us on the sidelines, just praying that, you know, Drew pulls this off and he hits Jimmy Ferris, who's one of the best, greatest Grizz wide receivers ever also has a Super Bowl ring um, in the end zone for a touchdown. Just, yeah, it was awesome. So that's awesome. That is awesome. Great, great question. Exactly. Exactly. Alaska buddy. So we've got some more questions here on egress. Um, so SoCal Surfer, I feel this should be a blowout win for the Grizz. Delaware is down to their third QB and their second string wide receivers for some DL personnel. They have a huge injury bug. What do you guys make of it? Um, is this a revenge game in your opinion? Not, yeah. I, I think we kind of answered that and said, yeah, that, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're definitely going to make it into a revenge game. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, like we heard Daniel say, there is a ton of injuries. Like he said, that yeah. dog has hit their team hard. Yeah, and that that can be. I mean, we've seen it. 
ourselves. Yeah. Yep. From him talking like about how their defense plays, everything oh, we've got, I'm like, was this la- this is us last year? Is what yeah. it sounds like. I'm like, this sounds yeah. like us last year, and have those two losses at the end of the season, and they make the playoffs, yeah. they win, and now they've got to come to see us. That's what it sounds like. It really sounds a lot like our season last year. So it does. It really, it really, really does. He also says here, uh, Grizz fans on uh, Grizz fans on Egris have been very quiet this week. Just a comment. I don't think it matters. I know. I just think that they've kind of this kind of sleeping right now, just because content hasn't come out really. Yeah. Um, and so I think that it will. It'll. I bet. And, I bet today it blew up with the whole oh, yeah. FBS and stuff. Oh yeah, I definitely think so too. <laughs> Uh, Benjamin Dover, uh, could you please just give me a shout out? Uh, oh, and this is that. No, I'm not going to give him a shout out. I believe this guy is a cat fan. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So sorry, dude. Um, no, cause I looked at some of his posts and it's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, what are your thoughts on a freshman QB coming into Wagriz and be asked to lead the team to a victory? And that is by putter. I think uh, Super advantageous for us. Oh man, good luck. I just, I just, if he can pull, if he can play well enough for them to be in the game, that I think they've got a quarterback. (laughs) But the way our defense is like just teeing off on people and playing nasty and just feeding off each other, we start hitting him. Oh, Mm -hmm. long day. Well, and then there's this a discrepancy. I'm sorry, you know, Lafayette and Delaware. When I was watching that game, it, there, there, there's a difference between I, how yeah. our team is playing and their team. Yeah, I just – it was ugly, man. I mean, Delaware should have lost that game. And, you know, Lafayette ended up losing after getting all those turnovers and stuff. But this is a different pedigree of football. And yeah. like I said – that poor center he doesn't know what he's got coming for Gubs. Gubs is going to blow him up and be in the get backfield all day. Even if they put two on him, he'll put three on him. And then you know what's going to happen? Gubs is going to take all three, and Braxton Hill and Jana Caro and freaking Wilson are going to come around and just pound on this guy. Not yeah. to mention Edwards. I mean, it's it's if you're a defensive player, you're going, oh, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to get a piece of these guys. Yeah. Um Montana guy, care to break down the upcoming uh, neighbor NDSU game a bit as it affects our future? I, I don't really think that it affects our future yet because we've got this game ahead of us, and then you know we've got to play the winner of what Furman and I forgot the other team. Um, so you know before we even wor- worry about that game, I, I know what I have rooting favor of who I want to see. I want to see NDSU before I want to see the neighbors yeah. for that revenge tour, but. So you know, I just before ran they're ahead the before they're ahead of us, it's hard to talk about, you know. Well, I just did this just for 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 his listening's uh, sake. I ran the yeah. versus simulation, and it has Montana State winning thirty-two to thirty-one. So ooh, versus ooh. doesn't know either. It's got a wow. right there. That's a close game. So yeah, um, it actually has NDSU ranked higher than Montana State overall at hmm. sixty-seven versus eighty. So wow, I think it's going to be a a wild game. So. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how they, how they travel NDSU travels. Yeah. But also, you know, I, I believe that Marty's going to be at that Marty Morningwig is going to be at that game because his son coaches, um, on the NDSU team. So, yeah, yeah, I um, bet you're right. so yeah, I think he'll be at that game cheering, oh, cheering loud. So root for NDSU against the cat. There you go. Boy, Marty Morningwigs kids coaching for him. So. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, last question here: Lone Grizz, 
Uh, how do we make sure we capitalize on the momentum we have created this season, i.e. recruiting, transfer portal, NIL? Um, you know, with, and then he goes on, you and Luke have mentioned a number of times on the pod that you have noticed some subtle changes in Coach Hauk and loosening the reins a bit on players, celebrating, and really having fun. How do we get that out to potential recruits, boosters, and help the program take the next step to start like a run like NDSU went on? In my opinion, we have the players, the facilities, fan support, and tradition to really go on a run in the next few years. Uh, would just like your thoughts on that. So, you know, one thing I want to say, talk about is QB Club, which I'm yeah. in. Um, we've never seen higher numbers. Yep. And if you want to see a different side of Coach Hauk, join QB Club. Yeah, It's totally different than you see in the media. Um, you get to hear more of his personal thoughts. He breaks film down. It's awesome. I love it. Um, it's worth the money. There's other perks and stuff, too, you get. Um, you get a nice jacket, too. But it's like it's just cool getting to hear that. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's all that money. I mean, I guess pretty much you're a booster. It's all going back to the program and stuff. Yeah. So that stuff's all looking good. Plus, we've got the bubble that I don't think is going to be ready this year yet. Um, no. But it'll be soon, and we'll have it for next year. So we got that coming up. I mean, there's all these rumors about stadium enhancements, like, and not necessarily like adding more seats. But hear rumors like adding to the press side and maybe more boxes up above there or something. Yeah. So I've heard the press side of it is kind of it's it's bad. It's bad. I think Marty had said something on uh, Coulter Nuanez about how it was so, so I've horrible. been up there. I mean, like, where Riley and Greg sit, it's a tiny little box. Yeah. Um, the biggest room in there is the coaches, our, our coaches, and then the opposing coach, they're in a tiny box, too, which yeah. is purposely done. But it's um, those are things that we need upgraded. But, I mean, we, we're we there to make those. It's just, What's interesting yeah. is going to happen in the year, I think, is what does Hauk do? You know, yeah. that's still the big question mark. He, to me, I don't think he's going anywhere. He's having so much fun. Mm-hmm. Ocean football, you know, with all these guys. Plus, he's got all these recruits that are now developing. You got your Eli Gilmans and your, yep. your Ayats of the world that are just so young and are coming up. And it's like Riley Wilson. As, as a, yeah, Riley Wilson. He, he's just, <laughs> yeah, that guy's going to be a monster. Yeah. He already is a monster. And so yeah. it's like, as a coach, you like seeing these kids develop and progress. And, you know, for how too. If he keeps winning, you're going to make that record so untouchable. Yeah. You know, how cool would that be, too? So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then as far as NIL, uh, we've had uh, our uh, Weedia, the good old Grizzlies on here. But yep. if you want to listen to that, uh, I haven't listened to it yet, but Grizz Fan Pod's got uh, Wellnell talking about the new NIL stuff, too. So yep. uh, we're going to give it a listen. Give them a listen, too, just because they'll, yep. they'll break down that stuff more, too. So well, and that, I think all that big- well, and I think they got kind of um, – didn't they join with a NIL uh, – influ- so. isn't it like influencer or something like that? To, to, something, to, something. I'm not too, too fond of it. I need to you know, listen to something. So There's still stuff that we got to be careful with because we yeah. talked about last week with Clifton Shirts. Yeah. We have some posers out there that are making it look like we're supporting him when we're not yeah. actually. Now, yeah. I did get an email uh, from one of the gals that's helping Clifton Oh, and good. I think she said they sold 191 shirts, way Holy more than they bought, and they just couldn't believe it blew up like that. And so they're like, "It's going to be awesome. a little bit longer than we thought to get you your shirts, but they're coming." That's so, awesome. That's way cool. I was pumped to hear that. That's awesome. Well, and I'm glad that we kind of spotted it too, where we could 
do what we yeah. could and, and get right. out the the word to Grizz Nation to kind of you know that's just so horrible. Like, yeah, it's, like it's BS. stealing stealing from some college students where they they don't get paid. You know they're yeah. working hard and and this is something new that they can do. It, yeah. It's something that we're going to have to be in the sports world more watchful for as well. So. Well, um, this is a different way to do it when they're making their own yeah. shirt stuff. That they're just promoting themselves, and mm-hmm. perhaps someone else steal that out, out from underneath, and that's just that's just wrong. Exactly. You know, you know, with recruiting wise, you know this this next game is is a recruiting game. You know, a lot of the recruits that we have have recruiting visits for this game, December second. Um, right. And so, you know, if you know Wager is and the Grizz were able to get this to be a uh, ESPN or ESPN two or ESPN U game. That's just more eyes too. Um, I I think that this year us being a number two seed um, is getting more eyes to us. If we make it hopefully knock on wood to Frisco, you know, that helps, you know, um, get more eyes on you. I think that, you know, winning always helps. Um, Winning. Yeah. Winning always helps. It's it's always just it, it's it's interesting because you know you're battling battling the neighbors which the neighbors have if you want to be honest honest the last couple of years they've 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 won the state right they've done well well I mean we've had more but they've done well in the state but yeah they've again, done like, well in the state but that North Dakota sorry. state to the North Dakota state to knock them off then they're out yeah. and people aren't focusing on them the yeah. Grizz are still in there if we can keep winning well they're out that that always benefits you in recruiting. Yeah. And, and not, not on, only just winning the state, but just also just winning the narrative, right. Winning how they do things and, and how things, you know, like what we've said, like it, this year kind of has switched on how some things were done yeah. and, and it's, it's refreshing. Um, I think we still need to kind of change a couple different things to make it a little bit more interactive and, and just, you know, f- freshen things up where it's not as just, stuck in the, the old ages a little bit um, and just kind of take back some of that, that momentum from the neighbors. Um, I, I don't think that that's, it's not going to be like the old days where we're the only football team, right? right? It, it's not going to be that the cats, neighbors, whatever you want to call them, um, scats, whatever they're, they're going to be here for a little bit just because they've got some things going for them. Yeah. You know, they do. Now, it, does that harness with some rumors of maybe their coaching staff leaving? Yeah, we've been um, hearing vegan in New Mexico, maybe. He's been doing New Mexico, vegan. Boise State, you know. Yeah, all sorts of different things. So, so you know, it, it, it's it's kind of be interesting to see what happens. Um, do they take a step back with that? Do we get transfers from them? Um, where I, I think a lot of it is to kind of see some of these legacy number, legacy people, yeah. Um, not go to the Grizz where we've had those, but we've also, you know, if, if you want to look at that, we, we the biggest one that I think we got Bergen from them. Yeah, we did. We, 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 we you know, we switched, we switched yeah. his commitment. Yeah, and just imagine if we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, we got Bergen. <laughs> but that's with the recruiting too. That's also why I want to play NDSU. Yeah. Um, beating the Cats twice. That's you know, that's great. I'd love to kick yeah. their ass again. But really, in the in the in the long game here, having NDSU come in and us beating them that actually helps us with recruiting too, right there. Yep. Because we got Eli to flip. I mean, like, yeah. I don't know if he really flipped, but NDSU he, wasn't given the time of day, and we we were right there courting him. So, yeah. and, and thank God, goodness, we have him too. So, well, and Eli was was something 
where he was getting some other um, interest from other, you know, South Dakota State. I think he was going after him. Sure. But, you know, he, he fell in love with an area and he fell in love with the coaching staff. He's really coached uh, close to Coach Green. Um, and so um, it's anyway, I think he's had some family here in Montana as well. So sure. um, I think that that kind of solidified it and just how we do things too as well. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, I think it's a slow trickle, right? You, you kind of build off what you're mo- you're, you're building, yeah. and each week I think is is another week to kind of build on it. Yeah, I agree. So, um, great question. Um, I know that there's going to be more types of those questions as we get closer to the end of the season, just because the you know the, those final season questions. You know, you kind of look at the season in perspective of you know the coaches and recruiting and, and we'll definitely do a, a podcast on all that guys. When, when, when the season is done, we've had some, some great January. questions. What's that? Yeah. Late we've January. had some, yeah, we've <laughs> had some, some great questions, great emails from people. We haven't forgot um, about your questions. Um, and so uh, make sure you keep on sending those. We love the interaction. I love, I love uh, um, people coming out and saying how, um, thankful that they are for our podcast. Um, and there's just how much interaction we're getting. Uh, make sure guys, if you can, if you listen to us on, on Apple, make sure you rate review and subscribe to us right now. I think we have like 31, um, people, um, have rated and reviewed us, um, which, you know, that's good and all, but we, I think there's a whole lot more of you out there that that listen to us, that if you could do that for us and give us a five-star review. That I've got great. one thing that just happened that I want to just a little bit. Yes, yes. So our lady Grizz just set a school record, 108 points. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, they won 157. They beat them by beat them by 51. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so new school record. I'm like, I, I was kind of tracking it, and we were going over because I was like, my God, we're cutting a lot of points. Yeah, so <laughs> brand new school record for our lady Grizz at 108. Wow. points. Awesome. Well done. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at they shot 51%, 34% from the three-point line, 73% from the free throw line. That's pretty awesome. Goodness. Awesome. They shot a lot of threes. Holy crud. <laughs> 32 three-pointers? Man. They are fun to watch, by the way. If you have not watched a, a Lady Grizz basketball game, um, definitely they, they've got – some really good players. I have to admit, I haven't caught one yet this year, but seeing oh, that, no. like, oh my gosh, I'm missing out. So don't be like me. Go yeah. get them on ESPN Plus. Oh man, it, it it is it is the um great to see. And I, oh, just to give you guys, I know we do Grizz update. We didn't do the Grizz update just to um kind of go over that with you. You know, the got the the men basketball team plays as well. I think they're on the move to. I want to see. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking off the top of my head because I saw it. I just um, saw it a second ago myself. Let me look. Yeah, here. Nevada, Reno. They're going to Reno on the 29th. Oh, yep, on Wednesday. Yep. Yeah. So they they played Houston and got beat uh, pretty bad. But you know that Houston's what number four in the country. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're five, something like that. Well, Nevada's an old Big Sky team, so we got yeah. some we got some old blood with. That'll them. be a good game. So, That's yeah. on. What Wednesday at seven? Yeah, uh, eight. It says eight on my really. Mine says seven. I could be in the wrong. Oh, because well, yours is eight because you're in South Dakota, right? No, I'm in Mountain Time. 
Are you a mountain time? Okay, good. Yeah, but my phone can be messed up because I'm traveling this weekend. So oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Pacific, then back to mountain. And so, yeah. I wonder if it's going to be on ESPN Plus because it doesn't say ESPN it Plus on here. It say that, and it could be because of the Mountain West. Sometimes those Mountain okay. West home games are on Mountain West Network or something. Oh, Stupid damn, thing like that. Mountain West. Yeah, but okay. if you can't get it, go to the Varsity Network and listen to Riley. Exactly. Oh, there you go. It probably, even if he's on the road. Or, or either him or Ace will be calling that game, I bet. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we've got, guys, um, from questions and um, on Twitter. So uh, make sure that you guys, uh, if you can't make it to the game this Saturday, you you watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Hopefully you can get it wherever you're at. Um, also, I uh, uh, want to thank Luke. I uh, can't thank you enough, Luke, for, for doing this with me, man. Oh, yeah. uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, he's he's doing a lot, guys, and and really, you know, he, he's going through the vid with this and pushing through. So so give him some love on Twitter, man. <laughs> well, so. if you are in town, go out, be as loud and crazy as you can. Yes. Have a few extra fireball shots before you go in and just show <laughs> those boys from Delaware how loud Wagras can be at night oh, man. in December when it's cold. Yeah. Oh, man, I cannot wait. I hope it snows. I, I like well, even like Daniel said, I hope it snows because everybody's seen that. He he loves the FCS. Every, like you mentioned that play. Oh yeah, You've seen that App State game. Yeah, like that's what you want. That's I mean, and when it starts snowing, oh my god, it energizes our guys even more. Oh yeah. So yeah, yep. that would be that would be epic. Yep. All right, guys. Well, we uh we'll cut here. Here we're almost on two hours, so we'll we'll cut it here and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. All right, go, go Grizz. Go Grizz. Go Grizz.